what is up everybody it's enigma and we're back to another podcast episode this is the junk box episode two where today we're going to be talking about horror and what really invokes fear in both movies we're going to be talking about music books uh and video games as well uh basically anything that invokes fear but does it in the right way and we're going to be talking about what that right way we feel in our opinion is um so feel free to talk amongst in the chat and let us know about your opinions as well as we go through um but to start off with uh i guess i i did some research earlier today uh i was looking into the university of california uh into their film program there uh and they had talked about five keys to horror or their opinion on the five keys and i kind of agree with them uh so to start with uh Number one, they called sound, score, and silence. When to invoke those? Uh, so just basically audio. Uh, understanding how a score should be put into place, how sound should be portrayed, um, and how silence, when when is the right time for silence. Um, and I have clips as well and other evidence to talk about in that case as well. Um, but I'm just going to list these off to start with. Uh, number two is expectation and timing. Uh, what the viewer should be expecting and how to like kind of counter it in order to invoke fear um objects uh the physical manifestation of whatever this creature whatever this thing is has to take on a physical kind of feel to something with whether it's a singular object whether it's a person whether it's whatever it is um they said that there needs to be some kind of um object or physical manifestation uh performance uh and this is more solely talking about uh the performance of an actor um can drive a uh drive a feeling of horror or fear fear um and i feel like that's the case with any movie even outside of horror if the performance is bad the movie's not gonna the movie's gonna occasionally fall apart right so uh but especially in horror um and five uh they put in as psychology uh basically the idea of uh understanding what the viewer is going through um both biologically and mentally uh inside their brain um okay those are the five keys of horror as according to the university of california so, are we going to start with the first one audio mm-hmm. well first, i think I audio say, do you do you agree with those those uh keys do you think those are i valid? well you have to repeat them because i probably again because I, I definitely agree with audio uh sound so uh number mm-hmm. two is expectation and timing Yes, expectation, uh, uh, definitely. Uh, three is objects. I'm not sure what they mean by objects, but... I can I can kind of, like, discuss that when we get to that one. Okay. Because uh, yeah. it, it kind of has, like, a thing with it. Uh, number four was performance. Uh, mainly the performance of the actor is what they're talking about. Uh, like, I think it's, I guess, important, but not as important as some other aspects, I would probably say. I think that's why it's there, like number four. Uh, number five yeah. is also psychology, just understanding what the viewer is going through. A hundred percent. Yeah, that's right. the that's that's, that's the whole key one. to horror is exactly. the human condition, because <laughs> the horror is is in all its complexity is very relative to whoever is viewing something. So the the psychology of whoever is viewing it is immensely important to what they find scary. Uh, but I I'm sure they're. So that's why it's kind of hard to talk like what we're talking about, like what is horror, because horror can be very subjective from person to person. But, you know, like what you said in that article or what they said also is there's kind of like a a through line through a lot of things that people are scared of Mm -hmm. 
or at least in film like uh, you know i'm speaking in film pretty much because <laughs> yeah know, I, was, my... I was mainly going to start with film and then segue yeah. out you know what i mean yeah, because uh, I only like, really have one piece of music that I would even consider really horror uh, that to bring. But uh, yeah, I I think it's kind of weird to kind of define horror because it's so broad. But those as points, I think we can get into those and we can yeah. decide whether or not we. I agree. was I was gonna talk about uh, just briefly, just as kind of a biological standpoint, um, the understanding of fear or horror. Uh, outside of movies and what you're trying to invoke into a person um basically biologically in our brains we have something called the amygdala you guys didn't know um it's highly active during fear um and it's usually the pinnacle thing that creates things like sweating anxiety um basically anything that correlates with fear high like high blood pressure like blood pressure uh fluctuations can happen from the hip uh from the amygdala as well uh all that happens because of the amygdala and that's like your fear epicenter of your brain right um mm -hmm. however right next to that right next to it is the hippocampus where we store most of our memories um this is a lot of times why uh as a child if something really traumatized you you'll almost never forget it in your life and i say almost because there's occasions where eventually you may forget it as you get older but also there's repression to where a point where you don't let yourself remember it because it's too traumatizing exactly that's true as well but for the most part things that traumatized you as a kid in terms of fear um something that really scared you as a kid you'll often remember you may not be still afraid of it um i know there's things that i remember as a kid that scared the crap out of me as a child that now if i saw it i'd be like laughing at it or think it was yeah funny. things um, like the moon you know but you remember it yeah yeah the moon <laughs> <laughs> that's such an inside joke actually continue. there was there was this fish all right so my great grandfather had this fish that danced it had like a button on it and it would like flap and yeah, dance yeah. And sing. Uh -huh. it was like a singing fish it used to scare yeah. the crap out of me as like okay and so i never forget that even though like i haven't i mean my grand great grandfather's been dead for a long time now like i've never seen that fish anywhere but yeah. i can still remember it clear as day and it's vivid in my mind uh same thing with uh amityville horror i saw that as a, a younger kid probably around uh 10 11 i would say was the first time i ever saw amityville um and i'll never forget the scene where he's in the shack and he's axing the dog i don't know why that scared me as a kid uh still to this day I would say it strikes a little bit of reminiscent fear because I guess it hit me that hard, but I wouldn't say it's as scary as it was probably when I was a kid, but I still remember it. Like if someone brings up Amityville Horror, the first thing I talk about is that scene with the dog and getting yeah. axed. So uh, just interesting. Uh, I just wanted to touch upon that because I think it's important. I got to move my camera here uh, to touch upon the biological and what, what us as, or what people as movie makers, as book writers, as um, music, uh what their singers <laughs> singer songwriters what they're uh what they are trying to really touch upon biologically inside of us uh in terms of our brain so i think that's important to get across uh but yeah from there unless you have anything to touch upon that corny uh i think we can move right into sound score and silence uh as our mm -hmm. first talking point of five keys to horror sure yeah go for it oh you okay uh yeah so the first thing i as soon as i like saw that uh the first thing that came to my mind obviously was uh the quiet place which was a recent movie um i think they do a really good job about silence and stuff uh throughout the movie and then when they do need to incorporate sound or scores there are very prominent ones um and i'll show a scene of that 
But first and foremost, as I was looking up the quiet place, I ended up stumbling across, uh, not really stumbling, I kind of remember this and I was researching it earlier for a different topic, but was uh, The Shining uh, in, in, the, in the specific clip that I'm going to show right now um, is the door scene. Um, and we're going to watch this twice. Uh, and there's a reason why I'm going to watch it twice. We're going to watch it the first time completely normal. Uh, just, just the 26 seconds. Uh, I'm going to be kind of quiet and we'll watch it and just listen to the score that's underlining what's happening on the scene. It's not, it's not, I mean, yeah. All right. <laughs> I'm just going to play it. And then I'll talk about the, 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 then we'll watch it again in the second way that I'm going to show it. And then I'll discuss why I did that. So uh, here we go. I don't think there's any audio. Oh, is there no audio? Oh wait, maybe I'm muted. Hold on. Never mind. I'm good. You're good. Okay. <laughs> that was my bad. So that's that's the clip, right? But now let's watch it again. But this time, I'm going to mute it. And so basically my point in doing that, obviously we're talking about sound here, um, is I wanted to discuss basically the idea that when you're listening to the audio in this, like without the, the score underlining here perfectly, like kind of like the, the suspense and like the, the fearfulness of it, like without that audio, it's kind of just blood pouring out of an elevator, which in and of itself, yes, we could describe it as scary, especially if you're a person that's squeamish around blood, which again, that goes upon the whole opinionated statement that we were talking about earlier about horror being subjective to a person. However, if you're the type of person that, say, isn't squeamish around blood, this w this is basically just like the equivalent of almost flowing water out of an elevator. I mean, obviously it's blood red, but I'm going to put it at that uh, without sound. It is the sound, in my opinion that really pushes this home to the viewer. Would you agree with that? Yeah, uh, I think something about horror film scores or just film scores in general is that if they're not done correctly, they can kind of be like telling the audience how to feel. Mm -hmm. uh, but like something that's like, I feel like this is a subtle score uh, that it kind of has, it just gives that atmosphere more presence so you can interpret yourself like, oh, this is unsettling. You know, mm. uh, it's not in your face, like telling you, like, be scared. Like, it's not like, you know, we'll probably get into the later jump scares where there's a big, loud noise and yes. the, the, the music goes crazy. And it's like, oh, my God, be scared. And you're like, oh, my God, I'm scared. And once you figure <laughs> out that they're just tricking you into doing that, then that kind of wears off and mm -hmm. you feel like you're being manipulated into feeling these emotions. So you want it to be subtle like that, where it's just like. I think the the use of editing in that scene also contributes to the fear because oh, yeah. a lot of this is the that's like ten minutes into the movie that happens. I'm pretty sure that sequence. I think it is. Um, Isn't it like so, it's soon after he meets 
They're Wait, not. They're after? not at the hotel yet. They're they're like about to leave. Oh yeah, he, this is when he's having that illusion. He has a vision. Right? Yeah, the yeah, vision. and all this stuff you haven't seen. All this like really creepy imagery with the the elevator and the girls and him screaming, like all kind of culminates into a, a really unnerving moment because uh, I think of all of those things. But the the mm-hmm. score uh, specifically does lend uh, itself to that unnerving presence. That I think The Shining does very well uh, in keeping throughout the entirety of it. Yeah, it's definitely, actually, it was really hard to, in my personal opinion, it was really hard to pick out a specific uh, seed from The Shining. Uh, I only picked out this one because it's probably the most notable one. And like you said, it like happens pretty much like right at the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the score does extremely well. But I do think multiple times throughout The Shining, there are scores that underline and really push the what the viewer is experiencing home and really create that suspenseful um, experience, in my opinion. Um, I do have also... Um, I do have The Quiet Place as well, which we can watch real quick. Uh, this is specifically a bathtub scene. By the way, uh, just for anybody watching, um, there is probably going to be spoilers during this entire time. So if you haven't seen any of these movies, we're gonna I'm going to try and say the name of the movie before we show a clip from it um, at least once. <laughs> so if you plan on watching the movie, just uh, just mute it or walk away for, you know, 30 seconds or something and it'll probably be over uh at least the clip we will probably be talking about it so i don't know mm-hmm. just an fyi uh because i don't want to ruin movies for people obviously i think you guys should all experience a lot of the movies that we talk about for yourselves um and get your own opinion um so this is the quiet place this is the bathtub scene uh this is later in the movie um she's gonna be giving birth uh she was pregnant or whatever uh whatnot and uh basically the house is under attack by the creatures in the film uh, throughout most of the movie, um, they stay almost completely silent um, in terms of things said. They use sign language to talk. The only time they've ever talked thus far currently in the movie um, has been when the father and son went out and were underneath the waterfall. And the point of that was to show off the fact that, yes, the creatures talk, uh, like are their senses are entirely based off of hearing sounds. And thus, because the waterfall is making more noise than they are, um, they can actually talk while underneath the waterfall. Which I think, honestly, some people said they didn't like it. They would have rather if the movie stayed completely silent with them using sign language. I think it was good because it was a way in which they could really push home the idea of these creatures being hearing-based. Um, but we can get into that later. Uh, let me play through the clip. Um, this isn't... I mean, this does a really good job with the score. But the score mixed with audio happening uh, in the scene in terms of crunching, in terms of screaming, in terms of everything else that's happening. Just listen for it. I think it really pushes the scene and the, the suspensefulness of the scene home. I think it's really good. Also, actually, I forgot to mention the other thing was is uh, the other thing that they're trying to do right here is they're sending off fireworks to, again, create a louder sound than her screaming from the pregnancy. 
Uh, so very interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least for me, I'm one of those people. At least for this movie, that I kind of would rather there not be a score, mm-hmm. just because I feel the sound like I would kind of want to be immersed in like I'm hiding from the monsters along with them almost. Mm-hmm. So I I like there's a lot of like sound design stuff there that I feel like would have just been like better if the score the wasn't score kind of drowning there. it out like the flickering of the light bulb and the hearing it coming up the stairs and like her having to be quiet because she has to be quiet and like really struggling mm-hmm. so like maybe like the tiniest like whimpers like coming out I feel like that would have added to it in my opinion but I definitely can see why you would enjoy the score. It's not like I don't understand that. I just would probably prefer it to be totally, um, you know, just sound design, no score. I feel yeah. like it would probably work a little better, in my opinion. But I think that's a more subjective thing. I can I can definitely agree with that. I could see where this movie would definitely be pushed a lot further without uh, a score underneath. Especially in this case right here. I can agree. Because if all you're hearing is her, like, whimpering initially and the thing climbing climbing up the stairs, uh, like, you would be so much in tune to those audio cues as opposed to kind of losing some of it due to the score, right? So that's, like, what you're talking about. And I feel like when she screams, like, since it was, if it was completely silent up until that point, it would be even more Mm -hmm. jarring when she does scream, but the music just stops and then lets her scream. Like, Mm -hmm. and it, it... if you're gonna use score, I feel like that's the way to do it. Is like kind of have first scream rip through it and then stop. But again, I feel like it would just would have been more impactful if it was just silent up until that point. I can agree. I can definitely agree. Uh, one thing I did want to point out because we did talk about the light bulb flickering, or, or you talked about it, uh, which was mm-hmm. a point of interest to me as well. Uh, the bottle, not the bottle rocket, but the rockets being lit by the 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 boy outside. Uh, you can very distinguishly hear that start sizzling as if it's like right in front of the microphone. Uh, and same thing with the light bulb flickering. Um, sounds like that that they pull out and really make prominent, uh, I think can really be impactful to a movie, especially one that's like based around this. Um, one scene that I didn't pull up that I know has that happen um, was the the shining actually, or not the shining, the, um, the first scream has that happening where you can hear her making popcorn at the very beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. And the popcorn is literally like in your ears popping. And it's like foreshadowing the moment when... Well, yeah, isn't it like kind of like the, the build-up to the mm-hmm. point where she figures out that he's like outside? Exactly. Yeah. But like it's so prominent that like you know it's like... It's so oddly like eerie in a way. Yeah. That I don't know. It's funny out. that you mentioned that one because that one's kind of like a cliche that they're making yeah. fun of. <laughs> like like putting the tea like the tea kettle on, you know, and like when that starts to boil, like, you yeah. know, it's kind of like a common trope. But it does work. Like I'm not gonna No, argue I, with that. I agree. I definitely think yeah. it's a cliche. I just was pointing out the fact that like, you know, like that's the audio like kind of cues that a lot of like in my opinion good horror movies actually kind of like pull on. Yeah, audio doesn't need to be realistic. It needs to highlight what's important in a scene, Mm -hmm. you know? Exactly. So, Um, yeah. Furthering, just a couple more touching, like, things, and then we can kind of just go off on it, really. Um, Mm -hmm. Another thing they had talked about in terms of sound score and silence was sounds that are iconic to the the main, uh, we'll call it antagonist, the main uh, scary horror element that is in the movie. Uh, in this case, I'm going to mainly bring up uh, Freddy's Claws, 
um the texas chainsaw leatherface's chainsaw um mm-hmm. and also this isn't really scary but just kind of building off of this i'm going kind of outside the realm of horror in this case but uh darth vader's breathing all of those three things that i just listed and there's tons more i mean i could go all day on this but those are very iconic like you hear those sounds and you'd probably be able to tell them mm-hmm. um and i think that's important in a in a horror movie that is gonna be really good is that there's kind of like a redundancy in the the sound design of whatever they're up against right or that there's an iconic sound that like can be remembered by the viewer not all movies need this it kind of depends on the movie but if especially if there's like a cre- if it's like a creature flick or a, a horror um villain like they usually need some kind of audio cue to really like drive home their their terrifying persona right because like you could hear like leatherface in the woods not even seeing him but you hear the chainsaw rev up which i'm sure actually it happens in the movie i know that like and you're just like oh shit someone's gonna die (laughs) there's like a a scene in texas chainsaw massacre where i think franklin is in the wheelchair and Mm -hmm. like one of them is pushing him along and he has the flashlight, and he's like looking around, and then out of nowhere, like he just like con- like Leatherface just comes and like rips him apart. And then he's still- there's a there's a long sequence where he's chasing, he's like running through the woods with the chainsaw, like chasing mm-hmm. people. So, uh, but as far as like noises with like uh, I guess I don't know about villains, but like the antagonists of horror films, mm-hmm. a lot of like monster noises. Uh, are actually just like animal noises that are distorted and like put through post-processing a lot of the time. So I feel like what kind of makes that scary is that it's similar to a real life thing that you can probably connect to, even though you may not realize it. Like this roar is actually like an elephant and, you know, a cougar mixed together and all distorted, but you, you wouldn't know that, but it does sound like it's a real thing because it's made from real things. Hmm. Uh, that's what I, I think, like, I don't know if that's, like, a proven thing, but that's how I feel, is that uh, the more, if it's made from real sounds, like, combined together, it, it's more likely to sound real than some fake, like, horror movie, you know, like, roar from, or, I guess, like, I'm trying to think of, like, a bad example of it. Like, just, like, a generic, like, dinosaur roar is, like, just, yeah. like, a lion's roar or something. Or I don't know. I'm trying to think of or something that like you you have never heard before. It wouldn't touch yeah. you in the same way as if it was something that like you feel is real. Like you feel like you've heard mm-hmm. before, and thus like it's still there, right? Yeah. Which I think again, it, you you know, jumping off of that, especially with Leatherface, uh, even Freddy, in some cases, both of those horror villains. I mean, like they really like probably create fear because of the fact that you know one is a chainsaw right i mean everybody's at least heard a chainsaw at some point in their life right so like it's very memorable some dude like running around with a chainsaw is kind of a terrifying idea you know (laughs) but also uh freddy's claws uh i know they for some of the sequences it almost sounds like nails on a chalkboard right and yeah he scrapes them along a lot i'm pretty sure like mm-hmm. he scrapes his knives against I, there's some there's a scene in one of them where he escapes he scrapes his claws against the chalkboard and their head explodes 
but oh, really? okay. the, probably, I mean, Nightmare on Elm Street gets really ridiculous. As yeah, it goes on. again, and like, <laughs> like I'm gonna, and uh, I actually forgot to mention this already, but some of the movies that we will talk about, I feel, uh, again, do things well. They might not always be like a horror thing. So I know for a fact at one point, actually, is it my note? I think it is in my note somewhere. Uh, I was going to talk about the Evil Dead. Evil Dead is honestly more of like a comedic horror than just a straight horror. But there is times when it does, or actually there's a lot of times, where it does what it's set out to do in terms of horror extremely well. But maybe it didn't follow suit with some of the other things, and that's why they just went with a comedic pathway. Uh, but we'll discuss Yeah. That. But like, I of... <laughs> yeah, I guess we'll discuss that because I don't like. I love Evil Dead, but oh, I don't know if it's great. a great example of horror. Like, even the first one, they're like really trying, you know, to make it horror, like a good horror movie. But I think it's kind of like so campy, like that it becomes funny unintentionally. Yeah. Uh, and then they kind of lean into that in the second one. They're like, oh, let's like kind of keep it going with this kind of, you know, almost funny thing that we we've been doing and then they go all the way i think my uh, so... main point for evil dead was on the topic of objects <laughs> you talking about that magnifying glass necklace what do you mean no, no no objects in terms of horror that relate to the the movie something that's constant amongst uh in terms of the movie in terms of creating like oh you're talking elements. about like the necronomicon so like the necronomicon okay. and the fact that they always if you if when initially especially in the first one right they play like the the old the record tape right isn't it like a tape or whatever yeah. yeah and then like that's what summons these creatures you know whether we could go all day about whether or not the actual movie or the creatures are that scary but the fact of the matter is they use an object a physical object in order to create basically what they're going to what we'll call basically the elements of fear that are later going to be coming into the movie right so all by, objects, by object you just mean when you say object i just think of like kind of like symbols of i can, horror, I can like... talk about that one we can move yeah. that one up uh since you know i mean we'll, we i'm still not really clear what you mean by object so like... basically what they said about objects is some horror not all but some horror isn't horror without the horror object uh, in this case, they brought up. Well, I'm gonna bring up, but some some of the ones they brought up because some of these I haven't seen uh, was the VHS in the ring. Um, in the ring, mm -hmm. the ring movie wouldn't exist without there being an object. Oh, are you saying VHS. like that? What is it? That um, Cuban Hellraiser or whatever? Like yeah, the amulet and the amulet of uh, Pazuzu and Exorcist, right? Uh, see, I don't know if I agree with that. Then you don't know. I, I don't. I I think all of those could just be taken out. And replace with anything else, and it wouldn't matter. Like, say that instead of in Hellraiser, instead of like that Hell Cube, it's like I don't know, something else. Like, well, okay. the, what, it what's could not what's scary it about still it? Be physical. I guess. Right, you would still need an object, though. I think as long like, as they could summon, because what's not ready. the thing that's scary about it is that it summons a bunch of demons that will torture mm -hmm. you for eternity. I I think. No matter what you summon them, they're still going to be scary. I mean, I think it kind of helps a little bit that it's like this weird cube that like moves on its own and like does all this stuff. But I don't think it's like essential for it to be like kind of scary. I like for the ring. I you could I guess the VHS is kind of like needs to be a VHS because it's a video. Yeah. I think uh, like their point was that like 
some way or another you really need to have like uh, like okay going back on the hellraiser cube right like you need that like some it doesn't need to be a cube it could be like a sphere it could be whatever right but the thing is that viewers when they see this initially like they can correlate that to the the upcoming fear right so also the next yeah so it's basically like a symbol of like a yeah yeah it's a symbol basically is what they're going off right i can understand that symbol of the upcoming or i'm gonna say upcoming but initially they wouldn't know it's upcoming until it happened and then all of a sudden they can put two and two together right and go oh that object means you know scary shit right and so then you know all of a sudden they continue watching and they see it again and they go oh shit there's something gonna happen and it creates suspense well, you know, whether or not the movie is meant to create a suspense like that, again, we can go on to the Evil Dead, where in the future movies, you know that all of a sudden he's pulling out, you know, the the tape again or something. And you go, all right, here comes the shit again, right? But again, that's supposed to be more of a comedic, but you, you're expecting it, right? But then in some movies, based off of how they do things, that expectation can become suspense if they drag it out long enough or whatever, depending on how scary whatever comes after that object is right so with the vhs you see the vhs in the ring oh shit she's pushing it in you know you don't know when but something's gonna come out of that fucking tv right Mm -hmm. so it doesn't it doesn't necessarily have to be a vhs right but like it could be Mm -hmm. it could be a dvd you know it's just a symbol of something yet to come yeah i i guess that's just more basic filmmaking in my opinion mm-hmm. rather than horror like stuff like that is littered throughout filmmaking you can look back all the way to like citizen kane the snow globe and rosebud with the sled and like it's i think that's just like basic filmmaking in my yeah. opinion i don't know i guess it's, it is necessary in horror seeing how it's pretty necessary in most filmmaking like uh so i guess it's true technically but i don't think it's like a really important thing because I, I, I understand what you're saying, that, like, the object mm-hmm. and what's associated with what happens with the object is what's scary about it, because it reminds you of that. Mm-hmm. But you're still not scared of the object. No, you're <laughs> scared guess. about what's coming after yeah. the object, yeah. right? No, I, I, I definitely agree. I think, like, object could be, like, pushed further down the list. I would honestly say the last two things that you really would have to worry about in making a horror movie would be the object... And then the performance of the characters, right? Which we'll go into performance later on as well. But I think, like, out of the five, I think the last, those last two should be kind of at the bottom of the list. I'm not saying, again, you kind of expect or hope to expect a good performance from your actors. Yeah. But again, and that, but that happens in any film, right? If you're going to have a moving, like a movie romance scene that has to be really moving and the actors are bad, then you're not going to have a good romance movie. Right. So then that's like a total opposite of horror. So some of these don't really necessarily have to do with just horror. They're more just film good, you know, good film practices. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. I think they included them just because of that, I suppose. Mainly, I think mainly the big ones for horror are expectations, uh, sound design, uh, and psychology. They really don't mention shot composition, huh? uh no not really i talked about unnerving over jump scares and like shot composition in terms of that but i can go into that i guess yes i feel like a lot at least a lot of what scares me is how shots are composed Mm -hmm. because a lot of the time like what scares me the most is when something's like just out of view or you like you can barely see it like your focus you're supposed to be 
like you're focusing on the main character and then like something like quickly runs behind them mm-hmm. and like you, honestly you could probably miss it if you weren't paying attention that much but like it's just that like something because i feel like there's a lot of fear that a lot of people have like they see something out of the corner of their eyes and they do a double ticket like oh it's just like a coat on a coat rack or oh, there's for a second you thought it was a person yeah so yeah. it's like i feel like it's kind of like that same instinctual reaction when you see something out of the corner of your eye like stuff like that is what kind of scares me and i feel uh like what can really help with that is shot composition but we mm-hmm. can go into that later yeah i know i have i have ample clips of that especially yeah. uh i have a couple of clips from hereditary on that uh, yeah that's it, a great movie that does that mm-hmm. um the first day i didn't bring up the second it uh i could bring up the second it because i know especially in the trailer they show it but um i think the first it does it better especially in the library but yeah we could definitely go into that yeah okay yeah you definitely yeah. i love that shit yeah uh the shining actually has some of it too that i didn't realize until i was looking up that stuff um certain yeah. things about the shining i guess invoke fear because they're things that you wouldn't look at um mainly the one that i never really thought anything of until i was looking into this today and i'm gonna have to rewatch the shining actually there's a couple of reasons why uh, the first one is is when he's watching the TV. That TV doesn't have a cord. Oh, all. does it not? That's yeah, funny. there's no cord to that TV whatsoever. What's, What's up, Kurt Guest? Wait, watch TV. What do you mean? What scene? You know how he's like laying on the rug and the the little boy and he's watching the TV and he's watching his cartoons or whatever. At the very beginning. Uh, it's later in the it? movie, isn't it? Okay, I don't really remember that scene then. Hang on, let me. Uh, I can pull it up. Well, I mean, well, I, I, I'm not, is, I don't. This is a partake of it. Eventually, it comes further in. You're just saying that the, there's no cord plugged into it. Yeah, as they zoom in further and further, there's just like definitely no cord on that TV. Yeah, that's not. I don't think that's intentional. But okay, <laughs> furthering that though. So there's yeah. another thing I gotta pay attention to. Again, this could be just a content continuity thing as well. Um, but there's a point in The Shining where, uh, where Jack's doing his writing. Uh, on the typewriter um, when mm-hmm. the wife comes in and starts flipping through the pages later in the movie. Right. And they all say, mm-hmm. you know, uh, when she's doing that and quickly flipping through, there's definitely a picture like framed behind it. And then like it cuts and she's still flipping through and then Jack shows up and the picture has gone. Oh, okay. And I don't know, again, could be continuity between takes, but I think, yeah, just knowing a lot that of... that happened is kind of weird and suspenseful. Specifically with The Shining and theories like that, I'm very weary to believe any of that because there's this whole documentary. Uh, uh, what is it called? I don't remember. But it's basically a bunch of Shining theories. And some mm-hmm. of them are are really stupid. Like, really out there. It, was, it was... What was it? One of the theories is that in the opening where there's that helicopter shot and they're following the car around... That mm-hmm. Stanley Kubrick's face is like in a cloud in the distance, uh, or like since in the in the opening credits when Stanley Kubrick's name like scrolls down, if you it scrolls down at the exact same time if you were to play the movie backwards in the ending credits, like it lines up with something. It's yeah. like really stupid stuff like that. But then there's also the whole American Indian part of it that actually is like super legitimate. Mm-hmm. I think I don't know if you've read into that theory where. It's like that. It's like on a uh, a burial ground where a bunch of like uh, American Indians were killed, and like and when he's in the the storage room, like the freezer, 
Mm-hmm. Um, there's like a bunch of cans uh, with uh, like uh, with American Indians on them, and you can and there's a picture of Stanley Kubrick placing those cans on that shelf in a behind the scenes photo. So it was obviously very intentional, and there's a lot of like crossover over what happens like with that. So like I don't remember off the top of my head. It's been a while since I remember that theory, but there's a lot of crackpot theories around The Shining uh when it comes to like what it could be about in certain things but was i think it's room 237 i think it's the name of it unless i'm getting the number wrong no, you're right it's 237 uh it, but there's like only like one good theory in that whole documentary okay. <laughs> some of the most of them are really stupid uh but like one thing about just speaking about the shining um i don't know if you knew this uh there's you know how like uh Danny, when he's on his tricycle, he's like going through the hallways, mm-hmm. like riding around. Mm-hmm. The the way that the the hallways are actually constructed don't make actual sense. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Like so they're very gets, unnerving to go through. He like just... he'll double back on somewhere he's already been, but it'll be different. Yeah. So it creates this kind of unnerving feeling, like oh, he should be right where he was before, but he's not. And mm-hmm. it's hard to notice if you unless you know that. Unless you're but like when following you do, him specifically. Yeah, but right? when you do, it's kind of like yeah. Like, unless you're mapping out where he's going exactly, it's kind of hard to notice because mm-hmm. it's very well done. I think that whole scene, it's just the emptiness. And then he, the, there's a lot of stuff with that scene where he runs into the little girls, too. And mm-hmm. the way they're positioned in the hallway, like, kind of, like, far away and very open. And just, like, there's a – that's again, that's shot composition for me when he mm-hmm. rounds the corner. And it's, like, they're just far enough to away, like, to a point where you can't see them super clearly. And you're yeah. like, whoa, like, what is this? <laughs> well, also, it's because, like, he just takes that corner, right? So he, like, turns yeah. the corner and boom, they're there, right? But it's not a jump scare. No. Because it, like, does it slow enough that, like, you f- see it coming and everything, but it does it in a way that, like, adds the suspense. And, yeah, we it, like, basically, that's just the shot composition, I mean, right? When we get into jump scares later, I, I yeah. can talk about most jump scares are mostly loud noises is what yeah. jump scares are. Uh it's something popping you can have really somebody, fast and like a yeah, with a loud noise coming after. Because if you try to jump scare somebody with just picture, it would not work nearly no. as well. Uh, like probably not even like seventy five percent as well, unless you had sound with it to scare mm-hmm. them, which I is interesting wanna, to think about. Uh, I do want to get to yeah. chat real quick. So Kurgas yep. says, uh, "Greetings." He says, "My personal opinion is that movies aren't scary these days because most horror is expected already." Um, I can kind of agree with that, uh, for some movies. I think there's a lot of movies that have come out recently, though, that are, in my opinion, kind of artsy in a way, or, uh, touch upon horror in a different way, and thus they still create, like, a horror, uh, element, like a fear. I actually disagree with what Corny's saying. Uh, what was he just what talking about? I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> uh, shot composition. Oh, with the uh, uh, with them turning corners and stuff? Oh, I, I think it was maybe talking about the jump scares. Um, oh, with the jump scares. Okay, yeah. yes, yes, of course. Um, but... Drinks, jokes, and storytelling says, how's it going? It is going very well. I'm happy that you're joining us, and thank you for the follow as well. Uh, welcome to Enigmas, uh, and also welcome to the Junk Box. No, I can, uh, I agree that showing image like creepy imagery can create an atmosphere. I was just talking about jump scares specifically. That if you were to take the the audio, like so, so just for I can example, show one too later. Yeah, I think I have yeah. the jaws one up. Like, like the head pops out from underneath the ship or whatever. Even I don't think is like that's as bad. I don't think there's. Is there a music cue for that? I don't think there is. Is there no music cue on that one? No, I think it's just the sound of him coming out of the water. Oh, is it? 
Because actually, I think Fear that was... is a pretty good example of yeah. But I was just saying, like, if you were example. a classic yeah. example of a jump scare, somebody jumps in the frame and there's a loud noise. I'm saying mm -hmm. that it's the less likely to scare people because uh, uh, the noise is not there. But if you were to show a montage of creepy imagery or like you're talking about fear, I don't remember the little girl's name, but she kind of just like shows up and just like walks towards you and it's like, or she flashes in your screen. Uh, I agree that it can kind of create an atmosphere, but I was just saying that I think jump scares only work because of the a very specific way they manipulate like human instinct where they make you like, Jumping is just a human in instinct. When you jump, it's because you have that flight or flight reaction because you didn't expect mm -hmm. something to happen, and you want to run. You're either going to run away or you're going to fight. So it's like an instinctual thing that I filmmakers abuse through editing and sound design or shot composition. But I can 100% agree that like a use of montage or just imagery can be completely creepy on its own. I'm not saying that. Mm -hmm. I I, I think that's way more creepy than any sort of jump scare you could ever get uh so yeah i get i get what you're saying i think that should go uh hand in hand with our next topic as well which is expectation and timing because you just talked about mm -hmm. expectation if you're expecting a jump scare to happen it's not gonna you're not gonna have that fight that's the thing right like, because so yeah uh i was gonna mainly talk about like the very cliche thing all right this is used almost entirely in what i'm gonna call bad horror movies which is You'll see them, uh, and I, I want my example here is from uh, the the new Winchester movie. Um, he's it was actually used in the trailer, right? It's honestly just for trailer. I feel like it's something to try and like pull you in. Like it feels like it's just meant for the trailer, uh, but they put in the movie anyways. <laughs> but basically, he looks into the mirror, right, and then he's doing something at the the vanity. The mirror turns. He looks up. Up, oh, mirror's turned strangely. Turns it back. Goes back down turns again he turns it back and all of a sudden there's something in the mirror and there's a loud audio cue and boom there's something there that has happened so many times in movies that now i just see it like lining like up like from miles away you're literally just prepared so it doesn't ever like make me jump anymore maybe the first few times but movies that do it right would probably try and set that up and then all of a sudden not have it there right over, like, yeah over the years uh uh, filmmakers have had to adjust the the jump scare formula because for mm -hmm. a long time uh there would be a fake jump scare which mm -hmm. i mean to this day people still use where oh like oh you know the character hears something and they they slowly approach and they get closer and closer and the music starts to die down and you're like oh something scary is about to happen and mm -hmm. you're ready for the jump scare and it's a cat Jumps out of the window. Oh, that happens like, in uh, that happened in a quiet. It place. happens in everything. It happens in everything. <laughs> it's so overused. And then, oh, your guard's down. Like, oh, sh it was just the cat, that silly cat. And then, like five seconds later, then the actual scare happens. Yeah. But I, I like, I, I, I like to hope that as filmmakers use that more and more. That's been I, I can the first time I can remember that happening. Like at least off the top of my head was in Friday the Thirteenth Part Two, like in the eighties. Mm. So it's been a long time people have been using that stupid trick, and it still gets people. But as the years goes on, I feel like people had who had to adjust the formula mm. to a point where I feel like the formula now is that they won't do a fake jump scare, but they'll still they'll drag it out so long to a point where you let your guard down and you don't think there's going to be a scare anymore, and then they scare you. Like, okay. it just plays with the timing. Like, it's all, again, we're talking about expectation timing. It's all about the timing to a point where 
okay, you're prepared, like, you're kind of giving all the clues, they heard something, they're gonna go investigate, the music starts to die down, they're about to turn the handle, they open the door, oh, there's nothing in here. Like, and for a good, mm-hmm. you know, 10, 20 seconds, nothing happens. And they're like, okay, I guess it was nothing, and the audience lets their guard down, and then that's when they scare you. So it's really just, it's all about that expectation, jump scares, for the most part. If everybody could expect a jump scare, then it wouldn't jump them. Yeah, it wouldn't happen. They're, and there defeats the purpose of that. But it's, uh, the the reason that people have been using those techniques for years, though, is because jump scares, people like them. I, like, I'm not, a lot, I feel, I feel like a lot of true horror fans probably don't, because they see them coming at this point. Like, mm-hmm. even if they, you do get jumped, it's kind of like, oh, you got you jumped me. That, like, exactly. So what? Usually, it's not really like, scary. the first one, like, sometimes in a movie, especially a movie that I haven't seen before, you know, usually the first one, I'm like, whoa, okay. You know, and I jump, but then, like, you calm down, and it's fine. But it doesn't leave, like, a lasting impression. Although I do have one here that uh, I have a clip of uh, that I'll show that kind of did leave a lasting impression because of... But I don't think it was necessarily just the jump scare that did it. I mean, the jump scare helped with it. Um, and I think they actually did a really good jump scare for this one, which is the first time ever that I can say that. Um, yeah. But, but people, I, think, like, I think, like, the, the surrounding atmosphere of the movie also helped with this in terms yeah. of leaving it. But why I think it's used so much in just like modern horror and like kind of big blockbuster horror is because people do like that and because they get this, mm-hmm. what happens is they get this adrenaline rush and then they're like, oh wow, that scared me. And <laughs> since they're like not like, they don't like see, they probably go to the movie theater like, you know, once every six months or something. They're not mm-hmm. watching, like I watch a movie like, you know, me, I watch a movie like every other day. So it's a different experience. Like when I'm so desensitized at this point that almost nothing could like jump me. Or at least not like to a point where I get jumped and I'm like actually scared for a little while. So it, as far as like mass media consumption, the jump scare is good because it immediately, without even really trying, gets their blood pumping and they're like, oh, they're all excited and they're ready to see what happens next and they're mm-hmm. they're more excited to see what happens next because they're assuming that something like that's going to happen again, mm-hmm. and then they keep therefore they keep doing it. Yeah, <laughs> of course, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Kurga said, creates a sense of security, and this is in regards to the jump scares. He says they create a sense of security and then break it suddenly. And yeah, that's basically the entire point of like jump mm-hmm. scares most of the time is to just create this influx of adrenaline and uh, fear all at once. But then once it dissipates, like that's it, right? Like that's the point of a jump scare is that it just touches um, the part of your brain really fast and then takes it away. And lets you calm down afterwards. I mean, sometimes they'll string multiple jump scares together, uh, but that very rarely happens. Uh, he says, "I saw a series recently, which I found really good in the scare factor called Sweet Home. Uh, it's a Korean... Tommy made me watch the first episode of that, so I have seen like the first it? episode. It's very weird because the mm-hmm. production value of it is so all over the place. Um, mm-hmm. And I've only seen the first episode. I really can't say that much about it. Uh, but it has interesting monster designs. I can say that." they instead create a relation with the character and the place them in the edge i find that would be a good evolution of horror okay create a relation with the character and place them in the edge that would be good um i'm going to show the clip right now uh the one that i was talking about in terms of jump scares um this is a personal preference for me um this was from the invisible man uh, which is a newer movie. Oh, I haven't actually seen this. Okay. Um, she's up in the attic. To give you a little background, she's up in the attic. Um, at this point, and I'm going to tell you straight up, there's a point where the jump scare is going to happen, 
And even me watching it at the time, watching it for the first time, I knew there was someone, like, I knew he was there. The Invisible Man was there. Mm -hmm. The reason why I think they did it so well is I didn't realize how close he was to the camera. So here, we're going to okay. watch this real Yeah, quick. no, that sounds like something to be interested in. And also just, the again, talking about sound and stuff. It's completely silent for the most part. Okay, yeah. I see what you're saying there. Like, I knew he was down there, right? They set it up for that. Mm -hmm. But the first time watching it, I wasn't expecting it to be that close to the ladder because of the way she was looking down. Yeah, that was 100% purposeful. Because the what you the what what made you think that was shot composition? Because exactly. it showed a shot from the very top looking down all the way to the bottom. And mm -hmm. then it showed a reverse from the bottom all the way to the top. So it's like, oh, if they were, he would to be somewhere to be at the bottom of this ladder. Exactly what gonna... I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, he's right there. Now, again, going off of sound, um, I think that scene wouldn't have made you jump as much without the loud sound. Yeah, right as soon. What was that? Like a scream? I, I think it was a mix of her scream and then like a score at the same time. Yeah. But at the same yeah. time, the fact of the matter is, is right previously, which I didn't show because I don't want to spoil too too much i'll talk about it briefly but she did get a phone call um up there from him um and so and she knows at this point that he like exists and is like terrorizing her right so the entire time she's up there they keep it with this extreme like i'm gonna call it silence with just the only audio being her creaking around on the wood and like the thing she's touching mm -hmm. and i think that does extremely push it forward i think honestly i thought this movie was decent i didn't think it was that bad of a movie i think it was really good in terms of uh creating suspense and horror um and i think it does it in a way again with talking about expectations and unexpected things and stuff like that um i think it does it by creating something that is scary on its own i mean this is a man that's completely invisible but is like terrorizing her and the same thing can be said about another great movie that i like which is called it follows uh in which case uh this i don't even know what to call it takes on the form of humans that you know right and so not even well it it's could just be anything. unnerving yeah, right it's yeah. unnerving to think that you know someone you see right there could be looking through the window at you and like it's this dangerous being yeah like i think also anything. what works about it follows she's talking about that a little bit is that it's always mm -hmm. coming for you no matter, like, you could drive, like, thousands of miles away. You could be safe for a long time. But at some point, that thing will so show fun. up and try and kill you. Yeah. No matter what you do. So that's what I like about It Follows. But playing, talking about expectation, I actually... I'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent with a video game I played uh, <laughs> uh, recently called Subliminal. Which is a puzzle game that is not a horror game whatsoever. Uh, it's basically, like, it takes place in a dream. And the puzzles are based on perspective. On, like, your perspective makes things bigger or smaller. And you're kind of like in this, it's like this lucid dream state that they, you're, there's like a doctor talking to you. And the doctor's like, actually, we don't know who you are right now. Like, you're just in your dream and we can't get you out. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, like, it's like this very bright, like colorful, like really like kind of mellow, chilled atmosphere. And then all of a sudden, I'm in a dark, like hallway with blood trails leading on the ground to like an open door. 
And I'm like, what is happening? Like, this game all of a sudden has turned very scary. Like, very, it's all very dark. Like, just completely, I did not, I'm like, oh my god, am I playing a horror game now? Like, I wasn't ready for this. I was playing a fun puzzle game. <laughs> I, w- I was playing with perspective. Like, there's, like, chess pieces that yeah. you can make bigger or smaller, like, get out of your way or stack or whatever. And there's really, like, this open door that's, like, cracked a little bit. And I go and look in it, and then the door slams in front of me. And I'm like, ow! <laughs> like, this is, this is actually scary. Like, I wasn't expecting this at all. Exactly. Uh, but then it, like, goes on for a very long time. And then you, it's, like, nothing. Like, it's like, oh, everything's okay. back to normal again. And, like, it's just, like, this very small thing. Like, that was... is because I wasn't expecting any sort of horror element to be in this really cute puzzle game at any point is what scared me about it. Because it was so, like, a slap in the face as far as what I was prepared for. So I think expectation can play a huge role as to what can be scary. Because in the end, like, if I were to take that segment out and just show it to you normally, it wouldn't be really anything special at all. It would be Mm -hmm. because the whole door closing thing, I think, like, PT did that, like, way back, whenever that was. Um, But, like, that's the only scary thing that happens. But and with the rest of the game, it makes uh, what all kind of like cushy stuff around it is what makes it more scary, mm-hmm, which I think course. is interesting. Uh, Kurgas is gonna drive to you guys in a little bit. Sounds good, Kurgas. Talk to you later, man. Yeah. And uh, HMK Marco, thank you for the follow, man. Welcome to Enigmas and welcome to the Junk Box. Hope you enjoy. We're talking about horror, uh, and what makes a movie scary. So uh, if you got anything to say, go or ahead just what check. makes anything scary? Yeah, just makes anything scary. Yeah. We're not specifically talking about films. But, um, yeah. Going off of that, too, in terms of expectation, and this is kind of like, um, this is more like going on to what I had read from the uh, the university there and uh, talking about their five key points. Uh, some of the uh, expectations are pushing things. Things that are scary to us are things that we wouldn't expect to happen, right, in, like, real life outside of the film or uh, well, in this case, the film, but also in terms of video games or whatnot, right? So they could be things that, like, you're going to go, well, yeah, of course we wouldn't expect that. But in the tight of the movie, you're just not expecting it, right? So uh, the two main ones that I'm going to bring up are the chestburster scene from the first Alien. You're not mm-hmm. expecting some. I mean, you are because they're building it up, um, and especially if you know something about Alien. But initially, yeah. if you knew nothing about Alien, you wouldn't be expecting something to just, like, explode out of his chest, let alone something living. Like, you know something's medically wrong. Yeah, it's that, that the scene. whole sense of security. Like, he mm-hmm. has the thing on his face for, like, 20 minutes. Exactly. And then he's, like, he wakes up and he's, like, oh, I'm, I feel fine. He's, and like, having, like, I love, yeah, like, that, <laughs> is, that scene's not very long or they're eating. But, like, the, the couple, like, the, the two minutes of, like, this, like, really, like, camaraderie. Like, oh, everybody's just, like, like having a good time. time. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, all of a sudden this happens. Yeah. So it, but, that like breaks the expectation, right? Because you're not mm-hmm. expecting something like that. And then uh, the thing scene uh, where he's doing the defibrillator, obviously. And then yeah, there's a lot of I, one of my favorites in the thing is when he tests the blood and it jumps out. Oh yeah, um, that one's pretty good too. I didn't find that yeah. one. Like that's kind of like I guess you could call a jump scare that I feel like works really well because they're, they're obviously building to this point where he's like testing each thing, so yeah. you know eventually he's gonna hit somebody who is infected. And what happens, you don't know. So it's like, what are you trying to... Again, expectation. You don't know yeah. what's going to happen once he puts the hot needle to the blood. You don't know like, if it's going to turn into a living thing. You don't know if it's yeah. going to just do nothing or if it's going to change color. I feel like you yeah. wouldn't be expecting it to jump out. I don't think yeah. that was my expectation. And then it goes, yeah. 
And he goes, <laughs> like, flies off. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do actually have the entire two-minute scene of them with the camaraderie here, so we can watch this. Yeah, yeah, go this for is, it. This is, like, funny. I, I, I couldn't agree more with uh, how it, uh, like, just the, the aesthetic. Also, I'll talk about something after this Like he's like just chowing down, man. He's like having yeah. a good time. Look at him. He's actually really yeah. hungry. Parker next to him, cracking yeah. jokes. I find it funny how much he took, but then how little is landing in his spoon. <laughs> <laughs> you notice that? He took yeah. like three giant scoops out of there. Oh, and here he goes. All right. What's the matter? The food ain't that bad, baby. Okay. <laughs> By the way, showing Ash's re reaction shots are very important there. Mm -hmm. No, that's something course. I'm gonna talk about in a little after this. I can't figure out what was he trying to do right there. Oh, is he trying to give him something to bite down on so he yeah, doesn't break yeah. his teeth? It's pretty gruesome too, you know? Yeah, I can tell you some context behind this afterwards. Love the design too of that. <laughs> and the scurry, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so good. That's uh, that is the clip from that. Yeah. I'll, I'll show the thing one later, but we can talk about the chestburster scene for now. Yeah, I I like that. Uh, I'm just gonna talk about Ash for a little bit because I feel like mm -hmm. Ash is an underrated part of Alien. Uh, because again, we're talking about expectation. Ash is a a robot, and you don't know that for like an hour and like twenty minutes, probably. Oh yeah, I mean you don't even. It's pretty much almost like after the climax, pretty much you guys guess. But it also it like explains all of his actions up until that point. Like right mm -hmm. there with it when like he first, when Kane first starts to like have problems, like Ash is like looking at him like what's about to happen? Like I'm ready for this. And then yeah. Parker picks up a knife and it's like about to stab it. He's like, no, don't touch it. Exactly. <laughs> like, like he, he doesn't want the alien. Yeah. Exactly. Like the entire time he's always defending the alien. Right. But then, right when you do find out that he is uh, an AI, he tries to murder Ripley in, like, a really kind of, like, he tries to sub shove a magazine in her mouth. Mm -hmm. And he has, like, this superhuman strength. So I feel like that's kind of, like, hor I think that's horror in a way where somebody, they thought, I don't know if they trusted him, because it was, it was just some, like, corpo guy, basically. They didn't really trust mm -hmm. him that much. But they didn't expect him to try and kill them while this other alien is also trying to kill them like it kind of throws this curveball that i think is great i, I uh, couldn't agree more yeah but also just 
the small stuff in that scene like when that uh i think a great part that happens i don't know if this is intentional or not but right when in like you first see the blood pop out of his chest everybody in the room just completely stops for like two seconds and looks at him and then he starts to like flail around again and then they grab him like everybody is in like complete shock of like what just happened even before it pops out like they're like whoa what the like that's not that? supposed to happen yeah <laughs> right? and then supposedly just one more tidbit for this scene apparently they use like actual like cow's blood or something i don't whenever oh, i hear really? stuff like this i don't know how much to believe it and then when the actress actually got like spattered with it you know like i don't remember her name but like that one that's like the kind of like the one that screams a lot she's like ah like when she gets covered in it yeah supposedly that's because they she got covered in actual blood and was screaming oh wow okay supposedly every time i hear a story like that i'm like i don't know like well maybe <laughs> it's possible but right <laughs> it's interesting to think about uh certainly um i do have the clip from the thing which i'll show real quick too since this is the other expectation clip that i have yeah like I, we can go into a lot of detail about the thing because i don't necessarily think the thing is scary because of its effects I think it's scary in a completely different way. Oh, I don't think it's the effects. I agree. I think it's the effects are rad, but you know, like, by the way, I was a little scalp. That's a good shot right there. Yeah. John Carpenter knows what the fuck he's doing. That's for sure. Mm Mhm. His all of his. Clear. Clear. I love this dude. They actually got an amputee for this shot right there. Really? Yeah, uh-huh. Oh, wow. Oh, uh, and then, of course, the head pops off, which they didn't yeah. show, but another another great, great scene. And, yeah. again, that's playing on expectation, right? Because mm-hmm. you would never... You you don't know what exactly is going to happen there, right? Yeah. Like, he's defibrillating. He, probably, you know that you know, something's about to happen, but you don't know yeah. exactly what. So you would never... He's... Especially because the first shot, you, you're, like, looking over, like, the body. There's no kind of anything there. Yeah. It's just a normal body. There's no, like, slit. There's no, like, grooving. There's no blood happening there. There's no reason for you to expect that there's a mouth that's now just suddenly going to open up and eat that guy's arms. <laughs> like, that's never. That would never be something that would cross your mind until it happens. And then it happens and you go, oh, shit, what the fuck was that? <laughs> like, But I agree. I don't think, like, that right there, the effects of that doesn't scare me. I think the thing scares me the most, like the thing that scares me the most about the thing is the fact that it could be anybody again. I think yeah. the idea of it being anybody. It's a paranoia. Yeah. It's, it's that unnervingness of it. It's not necessarily like uh fear from something being horrific. It's fear from an unnerving presence in the movie. Right. Yeah. Which we talked about with it follows and with um invisible man. And I think the thing is a prime example of that as well. It's something that can take on the shape of anybody that you know or that maybe you don't know, um, but they just look like an average human. and Or in this case, they can also look like a dog, right? Um, mm-hmm. And then suddenly it's not, and it's attacking. And that just creates an unnerving mindset in you as a viewer. And I think that in, in, like, in and yeah. of itself creates fear it's like i think it's again it it relates relates to a human instinct like when Mm -hmm. you go through life you have to trust people Mm -hmm. like you just have to you can't do it by yourself 
so the the idea of trusting somebody and having them not be who they say they are is what i think is really scary about it because you have to blindly trust and then that there's that paranoia like should i trust them there's some evidence like there's a point where they find mccready's clothes all ripped up yeah and they're like you know that's what that scene is he's he they're they want to kill him he's holding tnt with a to a flame so they don't fucking kill so him they don't kill him <laughs> like, and it ends up uh, not being him right because now no. they end up finding out it's this thing <laughs> like the guy that's so, the... it's kind of stuff that happens in the thing is never like fully explained like i guess at some point one of the thing just ripped up his clothes to try and frame him which i think is mm -hmm. a very smart move i i i guess but like there's also a point where the all those blood bags are like sabotaged nobody knows oh, who yeah, it is about that like there's a lot of stuff like that where it's just you can't trust anybody uh, well the thing yeah the thing like sets itself up for that and like, the, it ends on that note too exactly yeah no it's really good i think the thing like the thing for me is a really good movie a cool theory i heard about the ending i'm about to spoil the ending to the thing a <laughs> movie that's 40 years old so everybody prepare <laughs> uh <laughs> well, there's the new one i haven't seen the remake i'm yet. talking about the new one i'm talking about the old one so after the the whole base has been completely blown up by McCready, uh, mm -hmm. the uh, Kurt Russell, and mm -hmm. like uh, he thinks that he's killed everything, and then this character child shows up, and he he's just all fine, and he sees McCready sitting on the ground next to him, and basically the movie ends where they're just gonna like they're just like what do we do now, and like let's wait here a while because McCready has his doubts that child is not it's like if he's real or not, mm -hmm. so he would rather them like kind of like sit there and. But yeah, so that's how it ends. A, a very Im ambiguous ending as to whether or not child is actually a thing or not. A cool theory I've heard um, is that the that the bottle because like McCready's drinking alcohol, I think they're both they're both passing a bottle mm -hmm. that McCready is pretending to drink this bottle because it's actually filled with like kerosene because he was making Molotov cocktails, oh. and the and the thing is just is drinking it because he sees him doing it. Oh, that's good. Again, I don't think that's probably that would be true. So good, though. but it's a really interesting theory. I think that yeah. like McCready is like kind of like trying to trick him into pretending to drink this bottle that's actually filled with gasoline to see if he would do it. Gotcha. That's good. But the thing is, is that even if he does figure out that he this guy he this other that he is a thing, what is he gonna even? He's by himself. Like, yeah, he's, <laughs> he's not like he even even do anything. There's also another theory I thought I saw that kind of I think got debunked where uh people who are things they don't have the gloss in their eyes like their their eyes don't look like moist uh, I guess. Yeah. Which is I I looked it up. It, I'm pretty sure it's like a bullshit theory. Oh really? Cuz I could see that. I could see that because technically aren't they I mean if they have the thing in them they're kind of dead. Although I guess they still have a living organism in them that could keep yeah. them. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of. Even, but the thing too. is, is like even practically, like in filmmaking wise, I don't even know how you would accomplish that. Yeah, I don't know if you could take the gloss. Yeah. I guess post effects, but that's a lot of like. This was post effects in uh, nineteen eighty two. So, yeah. so I don't think it was uh, visual effects were uh, really complicated bad. enough to do that that yet. Uh, Kyrgyz is a back. What's the topic now? We are talking about expectations. We're talking um, about movies and yeah basically we're talking <laughs> about movies uh more specifically the the current movie of choice right now is the thing we had talked about the alien as well uh as in terms of breaking expectations through the chestburster scene the thing right now we're talking about just in general uh but specifically we had talked about the i guess also the chess scene in which the uh 
the man is defibrillating uh, the other person, and then there's a belt, and it eats his arms off. Um, so that's what we're talking about right now. Um, that's expectations. Uh, I mean, we can uh, all these topics we can go back on, but I kind of want to keep on moving. Uh, there's one thing. Already... Yeah. I would just want to before expectations. I know that there's some people who probably haven't seen Parasite, but there's a part in Parasite that I don't even. I'm not going to talk about what it is at all or what Parasite is about. There's a part in Parasite that I feel like is kind of horror esque because it's it plays with expectations, and I recommend everybody go watch that movie (laughs) because it's so good. It's on my to do list. It has subtitles, man. Will you watch it? Yeah, I'll probably watch it. It's so good. I, I could re- see the thing about that movie. Even the people who don't like movies with subtitles, I would recommend that movie. That movie is one of the That's, most accessible yeah. foreign films I've ever seen. Like, I've heard good things about it, so I have it's to. It's so see. amazing. Yeah, I would definitely watch it. But we can move on from expectations. Um, basically, I was just gonna kind of like talk. I wanted to talk. I have a lot of stuff basically about jump scares. So since we kind of already talked about that a little bit. I feel like that's where we should go now. Uh, we're now going to be moving into uh, jump scares, kind of, but also, which we kind of already talked about, but also in terms of jump scares, um, movies that create an unnervingness without having to use a jump scare, um, or movies that do it right, um, and basically, more spe- more specifically, um, I was going to look into like uh, what we had kind of already talked about with movies that have something in the background that's out of focus so kind of more uh camera mm-hmm. right yeah um, related um but mainly the first thing i want to talk about is i have a quote here from uh stephen king um this is about adverbs um by the way i do recommend i i know some people do not like stephen king um i have read a couple of his books and i think his books are r- really good i don't know so like I'm halfway through the it, like the it book right now, which I'm a big fan of it by the way. Um, but I also had read, um, did I read Carrie? I don't think I read Carrie. I definitely read um Pet Cemetery, um, and then I had read um Christine as well, um, and both of those were really good. Yeah. I'm not sure. See, I haven't read any of his books. I've only seen movies that he mm-hmm. is or they're adapted from things that he's written so yeah can't really say much on that uh, but basically in terms of writing um in terms of adverbs he says uh and i quote i believe the road to hell is paved with adverbs and i will show it from the rooftops to put it in another way they're like dandelions if you have one in your lawn it looks pretty and unique if you fail to root it out however you find five the next day 50 the day after that and then my brothers and sisters your lawn is totally completely covered with dandelions by then you see them for the weeds they really are but by then it's and he says gasp too late and that is the stephen king quote um the reason why i'm quoting that is not because i want you all to be great writers (laughs) and not use adverbs but as actually to change out the word adverb and talk about jump scares because i think this is a great way to put it if you changed out adverbs you could use the same thing a jump scare on its own, maybe once or twice in a movie, if it well placed, can be pretty unique and actually fit the movie. However, as you put more and more into a movie, all of a sudden it almost ruins the movie. And mm-hmm. it becomes covered with weeds. <laughs> <laughs> right? 
Uh, so yeah. I read that quote. And I was like, oh, that is exactly how I feel about jump scares. Like, yeah. and again, I, and that's only if the jump scare, the solo jump scare, or maybe a couple, right, are placed properly in the movie. If they're not, then they just look bad, just like a dandelion would if you had it oddly placed in the center of your yard. Yeah, I think it's like I get what you're saying. It's like I think a, a, the over reliance on it. Like, if your movie's scary and it has a jump scare in it, then mm-hmm. that's cool. But if the only reason it's scary is because the jump scare is in it, then that's the problem. Mm-hmm. I think. Well, I think. Okay, and this is very, very attacking in a way to move uh, to <laughs> yeah. directors. Um, I believe jump scares is the way for uh, either a the writer or the director, um, to invoke. I'm gonna call it a fake fear into a viewer and when they overuse it they overuse it because they have a lack of confidence in keeping the viewer's attention okay i believe that is why it is used i feel like movies that hold on to jump scares continually throughout the movie um i could bring in examples but i don't want people to be mad at me (laughs) but um uh paranormal activity for me has a lot of jumps and sudden moments throughout the movie. Uh, also, uh, The Conjuring does it a lot as well. Um, a couple yeah. of The Conjuring movies, in my opinion, are okay. But I feel like a lot of those wouldn't stand on their own and grasp the viewer's attention without the jump scares. I, I know they don't for me. And that's mainly because I just don't like jump scares that much. Not because I'm afraid of them, but because I think they're overused, as we're discussing right now. Um, and thus, I feel like in my opinion, it's because they don't have confidence in going out of their way to make something more, uh, I'm going to say artsy or more horrific in a sense of doing something different or something out of the ordinary. And so they're instead of going out there on their own and doing something that could, you know, make or break the movie, I guess they go with something that they know has, you know, obviously historically uh, worked, right? I mean, no one, you know, I mean, Obviously, the Paranormal Activity movies and the Conjuring movies have done decent in box offices. I wouldn't say any of them have done terrific, but they've done good enough that they're sticking with the same philosophy that they've used throughout them, right? This idea that, you know, these jump scares are working for them. That's why they keep on using them, right? So go with something you know works, um, which only some people, I'm going to say like me and Corny here, uh, don't like. Or you go with something that maybe we would like because it's a little bit more artsy in the horror aspect. Or maybe it's just, you know, horrific all on its own and creates that uh, unnerving presence that we talked about earlier that maybe some of the viewers don't like, but that, you know, we would like. You know what I mean? But it's that lack of confidence. Because I feel like Hereditary is a good example of that. I know it did it did really well, though, didn't it? I think that one did extremely well. Yeah, I know no, it did well. Yeah. Um, it Comes at Night did not do well. No, I really, and that's yeah. because that's because a lot of people thought it was going to be like some kind of creature flick and it ended up uh-huh. not being. I remember walking out of the theater because I love I love when I catch things walking out of the theater like <laughs> I haven't been able to do it recently, but I love when I catch people talking to each other. Mm-hmm. Uh but I, I remember walking out of the theater, most of the people were mad. Like mm-hmm. they didn't <laughs> they did not like it. That's all I've heard. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I loved it. I loved every second of it. I was like that was awesome. I gotta but... say, I watched it, and if we're going off of expectations, the trailer 
leads it to you to totally believe it's going to be some you have seen it? i didn't know you've seen it. yeah i watched okay. it um but then uh the movie itself is completely the opposite i like that though honestly it's like, good though i mean it breaks that expectation that we talked yeah. about and i still say it had some aspects of like general unnervingness mm-hmm. right well yeah so, that's the whole premise it's yeah, paranoia it's, it's paranoia another one of and unnerving yeah so i think it did a good job at what it did but it broke a lot of people's expectations and because they went out of their way and didn't stick with solely jump scares or solely something that they know has worked with other movies like creatures Are there any or jump scares like that. in that movie i don't, I don't think, think there, there is, is. One. i know most okay so most of the movies we've talked about thus far um i've had at least some sort of a jump scare except for the shining doesn't have a single one in the entire movie there's this like there's it's it's weird because you know it's such they a, don't have a like things. if i'm gonna okay so in terms of jump scares uh to narrow it i guess instead yeah. of just saying jump scare uh a loud sound accompanied by a sudden movement yeah. or image of because like i could things, almost consider yeah. that bathroom scene with the woman where he's like yeah. holding her and then she turns into like that decrepit like rotting but, like, lady they still do it kind of like slow yeah enough, it's, but not, it's not yeah, like, a, it's jump, not, like right? a big thing yeah so i guess it's not jump yeah like the only thing that i could say was is even like remotely close in my opinion of the jump is when he turns the corner and the twins are down there but again they do it in such a no, way there is a, there's really kind a of a jump scare when you when that so? guy when that what is it doc comes to go save them and he jumps out behind the pillar and like axes him oh yeah i guess that is kind of a jump scare but that's a good one they, like don't they make yeah. like a loud sound with it too he screams like he yells yeah. he's like Rah! and he like hits him and then they, and then they, but then they cut, and it goes to the kids screaming, right? Because that's at yeah, the beginning, yeah. that that whole scene. But again, though, like it's okay, well done, though. That's again, like it's not really reliance. well done, and it's, it's placed not there, and it's yeah. like maybe like one out of the entire movie, right? Mm-hmm. And again, going off of that quote that I just said, it's okay to have you know a couple. Mm-hmm. It's when you fill your movie with them that you lose, in my opinion, you lose the fear aspect. Some people mm-hmm. would disagree with that because, like again. There's plenty of movies that do that, and they do extremely well in the box office. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I think that's yeah, just I because think people a, just. I think like I guess the it's just a lack. Rush. Yeah. Also, it's just a lack of being exposed to that too much. Because mm-hmm. again, people go and see those type of, type of movies once or twice every year. They wait for if it to you, come out. Yeah. Right. They're not watching like other movies in between. Yeah. Like, if they watch, that I, does if, like that would like go see the content. Yeah. If they watch enough horror movies, then they probably wouldn't have the same reaction mm-hmm. to that. Because exactly. it's desensitizing desensitization. If I can't say that word, but uh, <laughs> yeah. desensitization, desensitization. Yeah. They're desensitized. They're desensitized yeah. to the the idea of jump scares being yeah. like not a, a fluent way of creating fear. Um, unnerving. Going into this, I already said unnerving was another thing we're going to talk about. I do have some clips of unnerving things, uh, Pennywise, uh, from it with the library scene I'll show, as well as uh, the witch. I have the peekaboo mm-hmm. scene with the baby um, that I'll show that I feel is unnerving because, or actually, also just going off of what you'd expect. Um, I'll tell you my expectations from that and how it broke that and kind of was like, whoa, that's kind of weird, um, which I think they did on purpose as well. Um, so I'll show both of those, uh, but one that I don't have a clip for that I'm just going to talk about generally, uh, Jaws, um, when that movie came out, I'm not saying it's a, supposed to be exactly a horror movie, 
but it created an unnerving feeling in a lot of people and actually historically caused when it was initially released and people saw it in theaters it caused a uh decrease in the amount of beachgoers during that uh following summer um which i asked uh, i asked my parents before we did this uh, podcast too to check with them to make sure that my facts were correct on that and they even said oh yes it definitely did so they even noticed it growing up as well so it made that big of an impact in the amount of people going to beaches that like pretty much everybody felt it which i think is interesting because it wasn't really i'm gonna say it wasn't really meant to be a horror movie per se it's more supposed to be like an action thriller right but like in a way it created fear in people because up until that point there wasn't really a lot of shark movies and people didn't really think about sharks in a way that holy shit yeah actually there's a thing that is in the ocean which when you think about the ocean in itself, it's a fucking scary place. Uh, yeah. A lot of time you can't see the bottom when you're in it, right? And so well, the idea that when you yeah. swim out deep enough that you can't see the bottom, that there's something under you that could actually like kill you, I think yeah. is a terrifying idea. And it doesn't even have to be a shark, but it just creates that feeling, right? Yeah. I also think, at least for me, with the ocean, like it's so vast and mm -hmm. big that like almost anything could be hiding in it so that's like another scary and we don't have that. enough explored of it that like yeah. yeah that's the thing we can go into the fear of the unknown i i will bring up the fear of the unknown when i talk about uh a manga that a horror manga later okay um definitely but uh yeah i do want to also transition into video games a little bit soon yes uh, i do have uh I have phasmophobia written down, which is something I've done on the channel. Oh, yeah, really? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I have a reason for that, and I've talked about it on the channel okay. before. So. Yeah. Um, let me just show... Uh, I have, like, three more clips uh, that I'll just show real quick, and then we'll just talk about them, and then we can move right into video games, uh, the manga that you have, um, and we'll talk about anything else, basically. Um, so, all right. So, this is the, this is the library scene. Um. I'm just going to be quiet. We'll talk about it after. I need subtitles. Oh, I gotta pause right here. Hang on. We're gonna finish it. Uh, there's- I actually just noticed something. I've watched this movie fucking, like, oh god. I gotta watch this movie, like, ten times by now. Like, it's a lot. I might step this a couple seconds backwards, but if you listen to- at that point when he starts looking at the fire and the whole idea that there was a fire, do you hear in the background there's, like, a crackling? Like, there's a fire going? I didn't have the audio on, but I'm oh, sure there's- I, I never realized that until that moment, like at this moment. Like it's just in the background. It's crazy. Also, there she is right there. She's already shown up a couple times too as well. That's not really a jump scare either, right? There she is no. in the background again. I just realized that it's backwards for some reason. Someone flipped it. It's because copyright. They don't want oh, to use that. Lie? Yeah. Of course the balloon goes. 
there's an egg. This entire scene is well done, I think. I like the entire scene. I can stop it here. The rest of it is basically he's down there, he follows the eggs down, and then Pennywise ends up coming down after him. He ends up taking the form of basically that kid that you've seen in the tree. He's been decapitated, so I was just a head up there. So he comes down as a body carrying the eggs, which you had seen originally uh, at the very beginning. Uh, let me see if I can just like pan quickly to it real quick. Right here. This is the kid that actually later on you see decapitated. So later on in the in the like the clip basically when Pennywise comes down the stairs he takes the form as the kid without the head but this entire body is basically the same so he's carrying the eggs the same way he just basically doesn't have a head and he stumbles down and eggs are falling out and cracking and then obviously the kid gets scared and runs and there's a jump scare at that point but mainly what we were showing off uh other than obviously I think some of the storytelling here is really good um there's a bunch of points Wish I could just like, why can't I just like pan to like the point there? So there's obviously this librarian is behind him and she's even smiling. Like you could, could just barely see it because she's out of focus, but she's actually smiling at him in that creepy, like Pennywise kind of smile. And like he, every single time it pans up from the book from here on out, she's doing it. Like there she is again. She almost never moves too. between both of these shots that I just had. She's basically in the same spot. I couldn't pan properly to it to show you. But yeah, she's basically in the same spot. She barely moves until he gets up and then she's back on the bookcases. But everything's totally fine. But that's like what we were talking about before where like unnervingness can be created totally from something that's not supposed to be in focus, basically. And they do that and it does it really well. And this is something that happens during like the daylight, right? So you can clearly see it in the background. But I believe, wasn't it Hereditary that had like a rocking chair in the dark? Yeah, is that the movie uh, I'm thinking of? Well, they mean what? What like? I'm pretty certain. Okay, there was a clip in Hereditary. Well, not a clip because uh, I watched the movie, but there was a point in Hereditary where they look into a room and there's a rocking chair rocking back and forth. But if you look really closely, there's actually like the grandmother. Yeah, in that's the like. Chair. Uh, yeah, she's kind of like sitting there, and then yeah, it's like a fate outline. Like they were passing. Yeah, like, really turn. She's very ghostly. So exactly. So like you wouldn't, but you wouldn't like know it. You would just yeah. think the rocking chair is like rocking on its own initially if you took like a quick take at it. I don't right? think anything's rocking. It's literally just a shot like oh, where of a chair. I think she's just sitting there like for a couple of seconds. You can barely see her. Oh, okay. But like, again, that's yeah. basically the same idea, right? Yeah. Is that uh -huh. there's something there in the background that like you wouldn't really know. Because like sometimes I know, especially for me, the first time I watched it, I didn't know that until you had talked to me about Which it. Which is crazy. It, it is its own shot. It's not in the background. I gotta say it is its own like dedicated shot, but it's, it's she's very hard to see and it's very dark. So it's kind of supposed to, I, I feel like invoke that same thing. Like, oh, in the middle of night, you wake up and like your eyes are adjusting. And you think you see something like mm -hmm. that's like the kind of thing that it's happens. Unnerving. There. I think it happens right when she turns off the light. Uh, she sees her. Oh, yeah. That's that's exactly what happens. Because yeah. it's definitely its own shot. Uh, also, I mean, obviously, later on in the movie, um, I believe... I, I ha Do I have that clip? I don't have that clip. I have the clip of him breaking his nose at school. 
Because I that's just a thought good that one. was I like really unnerving. Yeah. Um, but beforehand, that's a good I performance example. Oh, I really yeah. like his his acting in that film. He's really good. Uh, beforehand, I should have or was it beforehand? I don't know at what timeline it takes place, but obviously there's a point when the father gets burned. And the son's downstairs looking at the burnt body, and behind in him, the background. In that's focus, like way late like in the movie. Up there, yeah, it's yeah. pretty much at the end, right? That's like third act, yeah. I also like that entire sequence there because not only is she up there, but then she comes down, starts chasing him up to the attic, and then he closes the door, and she's just bashing her skull against the door. Yeah, I don't remember. Well, like, it's like, also wow, because she's on the ceiling creepy. as well, because oh, it's like yeah. a. It's like it goes up to down, the right? attic. Yeah, she's yeah. <laughs> and I remember, I just remember sitting there and going, "Whoa, that's fucking scary!" Like, because yeah. she's just there's no feeling there. It's just bang, 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 like repetitive. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, I guess you know what? Fuck it. I'm gonna show the hereditary clip then because we've been hereditary about is it. interesting because it's like almost more of a family drama than it is mm. more a horror movie <laughs> at some point. It definitely is, but like. Yeah. It has but the whole comes from the hand family scary. drama. It all inter like twines with each other very well. So, um, this is the Peter breaks his nose scene. Epigenia's murder was commanded by the gods. Also, even this, like very, it's like very scary. <laughs> Lucid Spark is the oh, virtual whiteboard bad. you need to bring your best ideas to life. No, he's so good in that. He is. He looks. He feels oh, so end. horrified. Oh, I mean, it's terrifying to like, like it's just it's it's so like raw. Yeah. Also, that clicking, like when you're talking about like objects, I feel like this is kind of more of an example. I was thinking of because it's like kind of like a callback to. Uh, the the uh, another character and that's kind of scary in itself because she's dead at this point. Yeah. But there's a point. There's a scene. I I think the best use of that clicking is there's a scene where the mother Tony Collette she's driving just like randomly like she's just driving and driving along and then she just randomly hears that just like once and she's like Whoa! and she kind of like freaks out for a second and that's the end of it. But it's just like this very subtle scene like 
I don't know. There's, I like Hereditary. I feel like it has a lot of subtlety in the way that it does oh, it sometimes. Does. sometimes. But at the same time, it's really not subtle at like in certain spots. Like there, that's not really subtlety. That's no, pretty, that's not subtle. That was like pretty definitely off all. front. <laughs> but it earns those moments, like because it has a build up to them for the mm-hmm. most part. It's like mm-hmm. kind of like I, I don't, it's hard for me to say it's a slow burn because I've definitely seen worse slow burns than Hereditary. I feel like Hereditary is very well paced, um, but it's kind of slow burnish. Uh, so it earns those moments. Yeah, I would say there's there's definitely would, a slow burn build up to something big happening, right? And then all like of a sudden the, it like yeah. takes it back down and slows. It I would down say again. the witch is way more of a slow burn. Oh movie. yeah, and that's that. This yeah. is one that I'm going to talk about right now. I have the clip uh-huh. up. This is more of an expectation one, uh, for me personally. But it does a great job. One of the things I do want to talk about between this one and I had another one. Oh, shining. Before we get into it. Uh, and something that you'll kind of see throughout this clip. I don't know how much this clip will actually show it. But where she lives in this, um, this like cabin-ish thing, cottage, I guess you would call it. Um, It's surrounded by trees. And it almost feels like a prison that's surrounding them because of how dense the forest is. Um, yeah. And I think that pulls at the whole isolation factor. And the same thing happens in The Shining, right? Because they're like kind of confined to that. A hundred percent hotel, and I think I think both of them do that isolation, like scare factor or fear factor. The woods are dangerous. Exactly, like outside of this little like clearing, so they're like kind of stuck in a prison. But at the same time, if you really look at the movie, inside the cabin is more dangerous. Exactly, but like it (laughs) creates this isolating feeling, at Uh, least initially, until you know, obviously, you get to the epilogue and then things, you know. But uh, I'm going to play the clip again, uh, and then I'll tell you about what my expectation was. Um, we'll see what we think. Boom! <laughs> I love this scene. There you are. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> Where is Sam? Where is Sam? Where is that little man? Boom! <laughs> Instant horror classic. <laughs> oh, I kind of like the pan up, like uh, yeah. Oh, there it goes. Yeah, I did it. I don't know why I cut it. The pan up's really good too, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't know why they had to cut me in with the instant horror classic, but <laughs> yeah. Um, one of my things in terms of expectation that I'm gonna talk about is the thing for me is by the time I watch this now, this movie was what? When did this movie come out actually? Twenty. 15-ish? Yeah, I think so. And actually, I see it right here in the comments. Uh, This is exactly what it says. Uh, This guy right here just says, Nice to see that they didn't resort to a cheap jump scare. Like, when I was watching this, I was totally expecting a jump scare. I'm not gonna lie. Either on her face, I thought something was gonna happen, or she was gonna look down and something was gonna happen to the baby. I knew something was gonna happen. But I was expecting something that was gonna be like, Bam! Okay, now it's in your face. Blah, oh my god, that's scary. And then, you know, go from there. But instead of, like, a jump scare, she looks down and suddenly the kid's gone. We don't know where. She goes, it does this pan up towards the woods. And you're like, oh shit, did it run into the woods? And then it's kind of this understanding that, wait a minute, the woods are bad, right? Because this happens, like, earlier in the movie-ish. Yeah, like, first act. Yeah. So, like, there's all this, like, build up there. 
but I definitely was expecting a jump scare, and it totally undermined it's what, that. It's because it's kind of a, like I'm, I can't think off the top of my head where something like this is used, but it's kind of like one of those cliche cliche situations where you would expect something like that to happen. Mm-hmm. Like I'm sure it has. It has to have happened in a movie before where somebody's playing peekaboo and then it's a jump scare. Oh, yeah. like, and then something <laughs> probably one of those evil kid movies. That's like a trend where it's like oh like the omen like not stuff like that like or it's like oh there's something wrong with this kid he's like the devil like Maybe i bet it you it happens in a movie like that does it <laughs> i don't know i'd have to check uh, but i, feel like I haven't seen poltergeist actually one that's one of the big ones i haven't seen I, I gotta watch that one too i haven't seen that one but have you seen the lighthouse by the way the lighthouse no i haven't same director yeah you gotta watch the lighthouse different kind of horror but uh very good actually a movie that i just watched uh on saturday annihilation we can talk about the horror of that as well right (laughs) yeah because i mean there's definitely uh what do we call it a uh what what was the term we used for that lovecraft horror yeah like it's like a lovecraftian horror right it's like sci-fi lovecraft basically (laughs) yeah well you have this like extraterrestrial kind of thing coming down but then what happens inside of the bubble aside from the sci-fi look and feel of everything else around it and understanding that it's like aliens and extraterrestrial in a way right because that's technically mm-hmm. if you look at it from its raw format that's what it basically is the things that the animals and the the feel of the the woods the jungle that they're in and the way like everything is like tumorish and stuff and like just i don't i don't even know how to explain it it's all like lovecrafty in a way like it it evokes fear in a different pattern and especially obviously the scene that uh most people would know and recognize would be the bear scene which i mean the bear is completely i mean he's got like a skull and he's distorted looking and he can't see he can only like is it here i guess he can only hear really because he can't seem to smell either i don't think like i think he knows like that they're there but then like he really needs them to make a sound in order to understand where they are so it's kind of pulling on that whole like silence thing. Yeah. It's just it's really good. Like just the creepiness of everything and the crocodile having like just a mix of things and then obviously looking further into the movie with like the humans that are made out of flowers but they're not actually human. Uh the intestines that move. Like all of it is just it's so creepy and unexpected and weird and Yeah. It's un- also I think unnerving. You know, the the the, not knowing what's happening or why is Mm -hmm. really because like uh in slasher films you know they don't really have motives to kill people but at the same time (laughs) that's just what they do in this like in in this movie like the motive behind everything that's happening is never clear as Mm -hmm. far as like why (laughs) and to a uh, kind of an extent that not like a slasher movie because the slasher movie the reason that they're killing everybody is so you can watch them kill everybody Although slashers sometimes <laughs> have a motive, right? Because, like, if you think about it, right? So Scream, <sighs> Scream's motive is to do kind of, like, a make fun of the horror thing. So at the I'm end, about, like, they're, the like, pretending that they're in a movie, right? Like, isn't that the whole thing Yeah, I guess, like, technically you could uh, say Friday the 13th. Friday like, the Jason 13th. is killing people because his, Well, technically the beginning mother. is his mother, right? Because Well, yeah, but then they kill his mother. And then that's why he goes to kill everybody, yeah. everybody else. Uh, Michael Myers is just because he's mentally insane, technically. Because he kills doesn't he, he kills his sister right away yeah and so that's what i'm saying it's like really like weak sisters. motivation yeah like, I, I could see that and freddy, and, uh, freddy the new freddy krueger the reason why i like that one is because i feel like there's more motivation in that one than the actual old one 
Yeah, but I also, I guess it's kind of, I think it's what I'm trying to say, it's kind of creepier not knowing why. Mm-hmm. At least, in, especially in Annihilation, because, like, the way that things are happening in Annihilation, it's really just completely unknown why anything is happening. Uh, but it's kind of, at the same time, it's kind of like a commentary on nature itself, where mm-hmm. we they talk about self-destruction being built in. Like, why is that, you know? Exactly. Stuff like that. Let's talk about video games. Video uh, games. Do you want to start, or do you want me to start with Phasma? Because that's really the only one. You that can I start have. with that because I need I, to I look have a through ones. and think. I I have at least like two off the top of my head, but uh, it's, it's a whole different thing for me because I'll get into it. Phasmophobia <laughs> to me, uh, and I've talked about this pretty extensively because we did a lot of streaming of it here on on the channel. Um, Phasmophobia for me isn't scary because of jump scares or the ghosts. Really, I mean the ghosts are a part of it, and I'll explain that. Um, What's scary about Phasma for me, especially initially, and even later on, is that expectation that we talked about earlier and this atmosphere that it creates. Um, There's no scores. There's only audio that you're doing in the game. That's all that can be heard. Otherwise, it's complete eerie silence. So that's number one. If you're not moving in that game, it is completely silent unless the ghost does something like throw a book or ring a telephone or something of that nature. Uh, Number two, you cannot see at all if your flashlight is not on. And I think that's incredible. There's a lot of games that do what we call fake darkness or simulated darkness, which, uh, and they actually do it sometimes in movies too, Um, but mainly in games, right? Uh, I've been a huge advocate for actually creating games that are dark. Because I think it's it adds, especially if it's going to be a horror game, it adds so much to the atmosphere if the only way you can see is through a little circle flashlight. And that's exactly what Phasma does. If you shut off that flashlight or when the ghost is actually hunting, it flickers. Whenever it flickers down, it is pitch black. So you're just going off of what you could see in that instant with the light on, which is kind of crazy. Uh, and then obviously, like I said, uh, especially initially, even when the ghost isn't hunting, I mean... You can't see, like, if you just looked and free looked down a hallway, you can't see down that hallway at all, even though the flashlight's here. Most games would have it so that, even especially because your flashlight's on, maybe they'd do complete darkness if the flashlight's off, but with the flashlight on, you'd be able to kind of see, and they'd do, like, simulated darkness where you could see to the end of the hallway. In Phasma, it's only that ring, and it's bright as hell, but aside from that, you could barely see outside of that ring, and I think it's really good because of that. Um, And then... uh. I guess the last thing that I'll touch upon that I think creates fear, and this is the main thing for me, is you're expecting and you know that there is a ghost in there. You know it. I mean, your whole point is you're a ghost hunter and you know that there's a ghost in this building that you're going into. What you don't know is how this ghost is going to react because you don't know what type of ghost it is. So some ghosts react differently. And then you don't know where it is or how, like, if it's going to kill you or not. Like, you never know that. So you could be in a room and all of a sudden it decides to hunt and you're in its room. And unless you knew it was in that room at the time, or maybe you just knew it was the room, but all of a sudden you didn't know it was going to start hunting, especially in the higher difficulties. Like that's a terrifying, like suspensefulness of that game. It's not fear because of the creature that you're up against. It's fear because of the suspensefulness that the atmosphere creates. And that is to me why I'm a big advocate for that game in terms of horror um, is because of that atmosphere. Mm-hmm. So that's phasmophobia for me in a nutshell. 
Yeah, so I guess for me, I'm just not, as far as horror video games go, I'm not, I don't really get scared that often. I don't know. It's a di completely different experience for me, at least compared to film, because for film, I don't have any control over what happens. So in a way, because of that, it's kind of scarier for me. Because like, if somebody walks into that room, I can't stop them from doing that, I guess. But in a horror game, I could technically just hide in a closet the whole time mm -hmm. if I wanted to. No, but also, I, I think it's just because of the way I am. I get way more absorbed into films than I do games most of the times. So as far as like really actually like scary games for me, it doesn't happen that much. But one thing uh, that really did was horror VR. Oh yes, okay. This that is completely changes everything. Yeah, because I know you and me had played that one game. Yeah, uh, what was Emily that wants to play. Emily wants to play it, right? Yeah. And I remember even you, like you were scared. You at least had, I'm gonna say, more balls than me because you were totally willing to put on. You wouldn't the even play it. I was I terrified. <laughs> and honestly, I this now. <laughs> I'm terrified <laughs> even to like. I I haven't had my VR headset to be able to play uh, Phasma. But dude, Phasma in VR, I can't even imagine. I know people that I've talked to who have broken actual VR controllers because they've been so scared. Uh, so horror VR is like a whole new avenue. I yeah, think because terrifying. instead, it's again, it's more immersive, mm -hmm. like off the bat. And also it's like in that game specifically, like one of the enemies, uh, she'll laugh and you have to stare at her for him, yes. her to not run up and <laughs> scream in your face. But normally, here's how it works, though. Like uh, if I was playing... Emily wants to play normally. I, she would just pop up on the screen and then it'd be done, which mm. is, I, that's, I don't care. In that game, when you're playing VR, instead of her popping up on the screen, she's going to pop up and scream in your face, mm -hmm. yeah. which is completely different. You know, it's, like it's a right whole there. different ball game. Yeah. <laughs> and so also, like, that, like that the lights go off. Uh huh. Like I mean, almost always, the lights go off when she like spawns in. And well, I yeah. Remember... If you hear her laugh and you don't know where she is, then you just know you're gonna it's gonna happen because you can't find her and you're just waiting for it to happen. That is like the worst, but also the best at the same time. Oh, like, it's so good. Yeah, I just remember us laughing for hours a couple times because I remember like I remember specifically a moment when she popped up. She laughed and corny. We, me and corny, like I'm watching because we would show it on like the TV while he's playing. This mm -hmm. so he could. And he, he was like, he's in the VR headset. He goes, where is she? And he's looking all over the place. And I'm like, I don't see her either. And he's like, am I looking at her? <laughs> like, you just couldn't see her. And apparently yeah. she had, we were pretty certain, uh, or at the time we were pretty certain that she had spawned in the other room. But she could still run in. But apparently he was looking at her in the right direction. So he just kept looking. Like, he knew he wasn't dead yeah. yet. So he just kept on looking in that general direction. But neither me, who is not really immersed, and he, who is totally immersed, couldn't see her and that was the scariest moment because waiting for her to like what does she do like i think she laughs again and leaves right yeah she'll go she'll do another laugh and then yeah she'll go away. so like waiting like the suspenseful moments for her to just like laugh again and leave was like oh man mm -hmm. but yeah so vr is different if i were to think of like just a regular game that scared me alien isolation when that came out, at least I was that oh, was pretty. Because the thing about oh, you haven't played that. I, I have a really for good stream because I just yeah, that's for a, free from Epic. That's a really good one because of the way the AI works. Mm. Uh, the alien will sometimes just crawl away, and you'll just hear it crawling in the vents. Like it's oh, that's what I it's, heard. 
heard so the, it always yeah, feels totally like boost. at any point it could pop out and try and get you, which is what's suspenseful about it. Because at any, it, oh. you are in danger almost the entire time. Uh, and just the sound design is great because you can hear it thumping around in the vents. It's like got really heavy footsteps, like boom, 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 and you're like, oh god. And then there's <laughs> also points where you have to like to open a door. You have to do like a little mini puzzle. And you can hear it walking around behind you, and I'm you're like, I hope it doesn't come up and kill me because right now I'm staring at the screen trying to do this little puzzle. <laughs> like, I remember that game having really, really good like horror atmosphere because because it really got me in the mindset that I was being chased, I was being hunted by this alien. Mm-hmm. Where like in a lot of other games, at least at least for ghosts, I'm not scared of ghosts, so that's why phasmophobia. Like, I feel like that would do almost nothing for me, to be honest. I really you think not it would do something for you in Phasmophobia. Uh, I mean, in VR. Maybe not. I, but the thing is, is like, I don't know, maybe not because I feel like it, I feel like frequency... ghosts for me aren't scary though either. I would have to try it. I really don't know. Um, to, don't know. for VR, I can I can guarantee you playing it normally it would not scare me whatsoever. You don't think so? No. See, for me, like ghosts don't scare me that much. But I think, I think for me, it's the ominousness of it. That's not really a word, but it's like the feeling that you know at any point something could happen and you just don't know when or where or how. Like, you don't know anything, really. You just, all you know going into it is, oh, shit, there's a ghost here and I have to hunt it. And going in with that mindset, you're just like, okay, whatever, right? But I know people that even just playing it on their PC, uh, Pastor is a big one that we've had on the channel. Uh, Sorry, Pastor, I'm going to throw you under the bus here. Uh, He's a big person. I mean, lately he's been going in, but for a while he would just sit in the van and be like, I'm going to stay here guys. And like, make sure like everything's in check because yeah. he was so afraid to like walk through the front door. And it, it does. It makes a huge difference. Like as soon as you walk through the door, you're like, okay, I got to get my jobs done. Please don't kill me ghost. <laughs> like really is what happens. And then as soon as like stuff starts happening, it's crazy. Uh, big man, bub says phasmophobia is just jump scares. It's not really even ghosts. Yes. Okay. So when, when the ghost actually does its thing, it really is just kind of like a jump scare. Actually, it's kind of yeah. not, though. It doesn't jump in your face, really. You kind of hear, like, a big sound, and then hands come in front of your face and, like, almost, like, rip your face open, I guess you could call it. Um, I wouldn't say that's the scary part for me. Um, there is jump scares, I guess, throughout, right? Sometimes it'll blink in, blink out, like, you'll see a shadow. Um, the big ones that are kind of scary are sometimes you'll see, like, the shadow with, like, a scythe or something. Or like a sickle or a machete or whatever this ghost has, right? And you'll yeah. see it spawn in in the middle of the room. And sometimes that scares you because it's like a jump scare. You're not expecting it. Maybe you turn around and all of a sudden it's there. Uh, if you don't see it, all you hear is the audio cue for it. So it doesn't really become a jump scare. You just know somewhere it's behind you. Um, and it's not really meant to kill you. Like that's not what it does at this point. Like it's not hunting. But the shadow just starts walking to you ominous. And you're like, is it going to kill me? Like you just don't know. And that, to me, is also scary in the game because, like, it does have hunting phases and you know at any point it could go into a hunting phase. But sometimes it just spawns in and walks at you and you just don't know if it's going to kill you. Uh, And then they have a really cool system called Insanity, which the more weird things that happen or if you're touching, like, uh, voodoo dolls and stuff like that. Actually, I'll talk about the voodoo doll in a second, too, which is actually kind of scary on its own as well. Um, But they have this insanity meter. So basically, the more insane you get, the more you see the ghost, basically. Like, the more shadows you see and aberration, like, aesthetics of it. And the more, like, weird things happen. And also, the more likely you are to get killed during a hunt. So you're in this house. And unless someone's in, like, the van and goes, hey, you know, Enigma, your insanity is at, like, 20%. You don't know. So 
you know, sometimes you're like sitting in a corner going, I hope it doesn't come in here and kill me. Maybe it's going after someone else, like one of your friends. Again, you're throwing them under the bus and hoping they die before you. And it's just targeting you. And you just don't know that. So you never know who it's going to choose out of the few of you. Um, and then going back to the voodoo doll, uh, it does affect insanity. The reason why it does that is you can pick up a voodoo doll and throw it on the ground. And it literally scurries across the floor to where the ghost is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's fucking terrifying. I remember the first time I did. Also, I think the Ouija board's uh, a little scary, too. Um, yeah. Because, I don't know. Ouija boards just on their own are a little weird. But yeah. Cabbage is bitch made. <laughs> Talking on insanity. Oh, I forget the name of the game. There's some GameCube game. I think it's called, like, Edge of Darkness or Into Darkness. Something like that. Mm-hmm. And it has that insanity thing, but the w- things that it does with the insanity thing is like not like anything else I've ever seen. It would change your channel or pretend to change your channel. Like, so it was, used to be GameCube's on old CRTVs. It would mm-hmm. go to like channel three, like it's just like a blue screen. Yeah. Uh, and or it would pretend to erase your save file. What? Or it would mute all the audio and it would have like a mute symbol, like your TV is muted. Oh, so then you're like actually yeah, thinking. Yeah, you're like actually going. Insane. Oh. I wish more like the more games would try stuff like that. Oh, that that's, that's the cool. only that's the only time I've heard of anything like that happening. Besides, maybe like if you talk about like Metal Gear Solid, where Psycho Mantis has you like switch your controller ports, or it reads your save file, like your game card, so it knows what other games you played and stuff like that. That's but really, cool. other than that, like I really haven't seen too much of that kind of thing, uh-huh. and I feel like that'd be really cool. Like I think it's for example, I think I've seen videos of like twitch streamers or some sort of video where there's like hidden knocks like somebody's knocking at your door inside the video so oh. people will send it to twitch streamers and then they'll think that somebody's knocking at their door like if you put that in a video i wouldn't be upset with that like if i'm wearing headphones and then i hear knocking and i'm like was that in the game or is that in real <laughs> life that is like for that split second i'm kind of scared like because i think a lot of the times it happens that twitch streamers so like that was coming. It was coming through on my right ear, the knocking, and then they mm-hmm. there's a window right where that is. So they thought that somebody's knocking out their window. Like I, I kind of think stuff like that is a cool thing to try and incorporate. That I don't see video games doing that much. Mm-hmm. But no, other I games agree. that scare, like I really can't think of that many. I, I, I remember either. playing Dead Space when I was like yeah, I played Dead I Space that. when I was like twelve. That's more jump scares though. Again, like I feel like yeah. that's just like no. I think it's kind of well. There's some too. creepy ominousness to, yeah. to it, right? They're smart jump that, scares. And, like, Dead Space 2 is, like, a bunch of little babies that, like, come yeah. and attack you and stuff. Um, Do you feel but... like Resident Evil 7 does anything good? Because I've heard people say that they were... I, I love that 7. game. Oh, okay, that's a good one. I love that game. I forgot about that. I really I like the Resident Evil game. Do you think it's horrific, though? Like, do you think it actually... Uh... Or do you think it's... Certain points, I think Resident Evil 2 does it better. It's be- mm-hmm. Only the first time, though, because Mr. X... Mr. X chasing you is fucking yeah, scary. Yeah, I, I heard you talking about that. It sounds scary. Yeah. I saw some Resident Evil 7 has really good atmosphere and really yeah. cool characters and character designs. And But I don't think it's... I think it probably is more scary for a lot of people because it's first person. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I, I think adds to it. Mm-hmm. Anything but, that makes you more immersive, right? But like yeah. when you're talking about VR... Anything that I puts you closer Resident and Evil closer Se- to being in the yeah. game is, like, scary, right? Resident Evil 7 is great, but I don't remember being very scared by it. I, I remember being more scared by Resident Evil 2. What about Silent but Hill? Then, I haven't played enough of Silent Hill <laughs> to uh, speak on that. But it's kind of... 
I saw the movie. It, I saw the a little movie too old. Scary. I think it's a little too old at this point for me to be actually scared by it, which is kind of a shame. For there's a lot of things like that that are just like kind of too can't like Evil yeah. Dead. I mean, even even when even when Evil Dead came out, people the effects were kind of campy. Like, mm-hmm. uh, but it it's kind of like that. It's, it's sad to say, but things just get outdated. Like yeah. the effects are just not convincing anymore, or what was so scary good. about it is no longer really that scary. Uh, so I think it really just it goes back to everything being subjective. I think part of the reason why I'm not scared by video games as much again is just I'm not as immersed. Like it's easy for me to get immersed in a movie because I don't have to like, I guess think as much about what I'm gonna do next. And you don't when have control I, over it. When I'm thinking, when I'm constantly controlling something, I'm constantly aware that I'm mm-hmm. playing a video game. Exactly. I'm never playing a video game, and I uh, it's very rare. I mean, it's happened before where I forget I'm playing a video game. That really only happens to me in film because I'm really absorbed in the story and everything. It's like guiding me through this set path where I don't... It's like, you know, one of those automatic car washes. Like, you, mm-hmm. they put you in the car wash, <laughs> it pulls your car along. I don't have to pay attention to driving. Like... You know, <laughs> just sit back, let your car get cleaned. Right? Yeah, I can look at all the foam get wiped off my windshield. And I agree. I think I definitely agree. I think building a horror game is extremely more difficult uh, than building to be immersive. To be immersive than say building yeah. like a horror movie. Yeah, I'd say that. Which is weird because you think it would be the other way around. I feel I like would. having control would make you more immersed, but for some reason, at least for me, it does the opposite. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I I think it's just hard to build up like such a good atmosphere. Like movies can build an atmosphere because you have that lack of control. Oh, I just thought of another thing. Right initially, the fact right. that you can die multiple times, kind of. Oh, defeats know, the purpose. Yeah. If you're just like, yeah, it's like if if you, it, that kind of eliminates the risk. Like, what if you died and went back way. to the beginning? That that's what I was about to say. There like, is stuff like that in it. horror games. Like I think Dead Space. <laughs> The Dead Space games, you get three saves throughout the entire game, and that's it. And like, that's the hardest difficulty. You have to choose. That right would probably make Dead Space a lot more scary, I gotta admit. Mm. Like, seriously, losing that progress is more scary than, than the game that's itself. That's true. Sometimes. But it also makes it, that being said, it makes it so that each enemy is way more threatening. Exactly. Or, like, every so, sound is threatening, right? Because you yeah. hear, like, a little ticking or something, and you're like, what the fuck was that? Yeah, and then you're, so, you're, instead of being worried about... Like, okay, if you had multiple saves or if you, like, had multiple lives, right, you'd hear a sound, you go, all right, it's an enemy, right? Instead of that... If I die, then so what? Yeah, exactly. Instead of that mental note, having only three saves or having no saves at all, your mind immediately goes, oh, shit, like, this could be the end of my run right here. Like, almost like if a horror was, like, a roguelike. And you'd be like, oh, shit, like... That's another thing about Alien Isolation that is great. There's only hard save points. You have to go to a station Mm -hmm. and save. Yes, I did know. So you about have to that get well. through an area to get to the next save point. It doesn't auto save once you get past a certain checkpoint or whatever. I definitely you die, you that. go back to the last save point that you saved at. I have to do that on stream. Yeah. That on also the is the same case in Dead Space, but I, I think Alien Isolation really works well with that. I think it's because of the AI. I've heard really good things about the AI. AI is really smart in, in isolation. It will check lockers if it like thinks that you're in there. Mm-hmm. You have to hold your breath. That's crazy. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have a couple other like writing things to talk about in terms of books because mm-hmm. I know we never actually really talked about it. Um, yeah, I'm gonna look up a, a yeah something for you to show for Junji Ito. Yes, yes, do that. <laughs> uh, I was thinking of 
like a poem? I think it was a poem. Yeah, okay. It's definitely poetry. Um, so obviously we've talked about uh, Stephen King now. Obviously, again, in terms of books, books are very subjective as well. I know a lot of people that aren't terrified at all by Stephen King books. I know a lot of people that are. I know people that hate them. I know people that love them. It's mixed. I mean, books are going to be the same way as any other kind of media, right? Um, Edgar Allan Poe growing up for me. Uh, I know I read a lot of his poetry growing up. Um, I mean, I just thought he was insane. And I think that gave me kind of like a, a bad feeling. Um, but let me see if I can pull up some of them. Obviously the main one that everybody should know about, uh, is called the Raven. I don't think there's anybody that hasn't read the Raven, but I could be wrong. I feel like that's a constant one. That's pretty much taught to you at a young age is to learn about the Raven. Um, but the telltale heart, I remember being the other one, um, yeah. that was really, I like scary. that one. That's the one with the heart that's underneath the floorboards and yeah. it's like beating. Uh -huh. I well, that's that was because he has somebody cool buried aesthetic. there, and he's being yeah, questioned exactly. by, like, police, I think. Because he's, like, he killed someone, right? So he murdered he murdered someone, and he buries them underneath, basically, the floorboards. And it's his conscience yeah. because he's guilty. And so he's hearing the heartbeat. And I can't even imagine, but can you imagine that being, like, some sort of, like, short film or something like that? Like, I could see that. And I think yeah. it would scare me a little bit. So, like, a lot of Edgar Allan Poe's uh, poetry um, and writing is very, uh, very out there, but also very uh, terrifying in my mind. So that was the other example that I had besides Stephen King. I'd actually put Edgar Allan Poe above Stephen King, honestly, in terms of fear. There was definitely things that I remember um, that I liked better about Edgar Allan Poe growing up than I did about reading Stephen King books. Now, uh, they're kind of on different spectrums in terms of horror. Um in a way, but they're still on horror spectrum. So, uh, I think there was another one, um, but I don't remember what the title was. I'm looking at all of his book, uh, all of his poems and stuff. It might have been the murder, the murders in the Rue Morgue, but I can't remember. I think from what I remember, he goes to the main character goes down into like uh, the catacombs or something. You like wall? Is that the one where you break like wall somebody off? And yeah. Yeah. And I remember that one being scary too. Oh, that was the cast of Amontillado. Yeah. I think that's what it was sounds called. Sounds right. Yeah. That sounds about right. So, honestly, if you guys haven't read those by now, I definitely recommend reading those too. Cause, uh, so, basically, The Raven, The Telltale Heart, and The Cast of Amontillado, um, I think are the three that I remember mostly. Of course, if you want to go ahead and read some of his other ones, I'm sure they're just as good. Um, but in terms of horror writing, highly recommend him. Uh, and they're short. So if you want something short and scary and you don't want to have to read a 4,000, 7,000 page book by Stephen King <laughs> to get your horror niche, then go with him because it's definitely, you'll probably get a better experience to be honest. I'm not downing Stephen King, but yeah. Uh, did you send me the thing yeah, we were talking I about? Yeah, I sent them over. So basically, yeah, I sent you two pictures. You can show the first one first. Yeah. yeah. The that second one's good. more about the story. This one's, I'm talking about more about imagery. So basically, um, some of the best horror material I've seen is by a horror manga artist called Junji Ito. Um, and the way that he presents his horror is uh, very, very uh, grotesque, as you can see in this. This is a story about uh, a neighbor who lives across like this window from this kid. And that's what she looks like. 
And also, I think the, the, the format of it being a manga also contributes to the horror because basically he can reveal things with a page flip. Like, there could be a buildup, and right before it's about to happen, you have to flip the page yourself to go see this horrible-looking thing on the other side. But, tea. like, the imagery is so horrifying most of the time. And most of his topics are very Lovecraftian, where it it's kind of, you can't understand what's happening, or it's beyond comprehension. So, but, like, just often, if you just look at that, that's, like, you know, pretty horrific. <laughs> and I at least the imagery is more horrific than most, any horror media I've really consumed. Like, I don't think, I'm not sure anything matches the artwork of Jinji Ito. No, it's but there's really also, well I think the subject matter is in, incredible because if you show the next picture, um, yep. he he all, he has like collections of short stories that all have through lines, but he also just has like short stories in themselves. Uh, this one is one of my favorites. Uh, this is about a man who sleeps, and every time he does, he sleeps for longer and longer. Hmm. So, uh, but like, it's only in his head though, like. So he will fall asleep, and he will fall asleep for thousands of years every time. Yeah. Like, and it'll progressively get worse and worse, and his mental condition just deteriorates along with his physical condition. Um, and I would just recommend that anybody reads it. But the best introduction to Junji Ito is the uh, what is it called? The Case of the Igamora Faults, where basically, um, let me see if I can find a picture for that one. Uh, I do want to, while you're doing that, uh, yeah. going back on the first picture. So, uh, I'm obviously I've done like graphic design, uh, for five years now. <laughs> uh, one of the techniques that he uses actually on this is like really incredible, especially this neck right here. Like he's going for this, like very elongated slimming neck. Cause you can see how he shades this dark. Like this is supposed to look very abnormal and like drawn in. I mean, obviously going off of this, you would know that. But the subtleties of like the background and stuff like that, the wrinkles and the tears and stuff like that. So detail oriented. It's so good. Like obviously yeah. right away the face would be your pinnacle point, but looking around it, I mean I just looking at this shading wise and it's pretty impeccable. I mean, even the window to itself, like you look at something like this right now, I mean obviously this isn't zoomed out. So maybe it looks the same. But with this being very long strokes, it looks very like like, if this was extended up, the strokes would be very long to shade in this window. Whereas, when you get here, look how short these strokes are. To create the shading on this window, this, like, grungy-looking window that she's sitting in. It's it's pretty impeccable. Actually, even, like, the concrete around it. Very, very good. Yeah. So, from a graphic design you, standpoint. Yeah. I sent you a reference picture for Iggy Mora Faults, just so you guys can see what I'm talking about. This, the horror from this short that I'm recommending... Uh, is more of the concept in itself so basically the concept is there's an earthquake in japan and a mountain cracks open and there's all these people shaped holes inside the mountain so people go to see these holes and then it's like it's like oh what are these like what could they be and well, as people get holes. there they realize there, there's something that draws them to specific holes and they will go this is my hole and they will fall into this hole and nobody knows where they go what and this That's is like nutty. you can read this free online like this with this short story and it is great again the more of that fear of the unknown there's something that compels people to certain holes and they know that it's theirs and they know that they have to step into it and, and they perfectly fit they, and there's nothing that they can do to stop it yeah the, like they could perfectly fit 
like this urge to go into these holes. It is amazing. And I feel like this is like the perfect introduction to the kind of horror Jinji Ito does. And that I don't think anybody else does in any medium. And that's why I love it so much. Is that it, it's a type of horror that invokes stuff in me that I, I don't experience watching uh, horror films or playing video games or anything like that. Uh, no, so I, I, I kind of recommend uh, reading some Jinji Ito uh, stories. Uh, Maki is really good. That's a, one with a big through line. That one's getting adapted into an anime on Adult Swim. So hopefully that comes out good. Um, I think the looks thing like about the... literature too yeah. um, is, and again, talking about like horror, right? I feel like literature, uh, now this is this, actually the manga is going to kind of break this philosophy because uh, I was really basing it off of like Edgar Allan Poe and Stephen King books that I've read. Um, but when I've read something like that, uh, not only is it turn of the page where you're kind of you're kind of forced to move through the book if you want to finish it, right? So you're forced to turn the page and find out what happens next. But at the same point, so you have that like loss of control. Uh, but at the same point, I think something that happens in literature that you can't get from games and uh, movies is that your imagination is allowed to kind of create ideas mm-hmm. along with the literature. And I don't know how well that fits into place with the manga. You can let me know what your experience was with it. Yeah. Um, I I can tell you straight up from looking at this picture, uh, and then some of the other ones. Even though I'd be reading the text and kind of understanding, and like they're creating like a visual representation, I think my imagination would still kind of go out there. And like, though I'm understanding, I'm also pulling in different things. But I know from a fact when I've read like Edgar Allan Poe and stuff like that, like I have a decent imagination where I could honestly visualize like the heart beating underneath the floorboards and this dead body. And like your mind allows you to create this pulling from things that actually f- like scared you maybe growing up mm-hmm. or something like that. So you're actually like pulling from things that you're actually afraid of. And I think that's why literature does so well in terms of horror, as opposed to movies and games. Now, again, they we've talked about pretty extensively, both of those uh, medias that we feel there are some good examples of that. Games are a little bit harder, we said, than movies, of course. But I would say the easiest one is literature in a way. Because literature that does horror, um, if it's done and written well, um, I think it's super easy as long as you have a decent imagination. It can kind of... If you're the type of person that just reads... And I actually don't know if you could be that type of... Can you be a type of person that reads a book and you're just reading the words... Without actually imagining that's... like the story, I'm not sure that's possible. I don't think that's possible. Yeah. So, and the only reason why the only reason you can, or the only way psychologically that you could build a story visually in your head without it being visually showing to you is by pulling from past experiences and like understanding the descriptive nature of it. Now, I'm not saying you know, <laughs> again, uh going off of like the beating heart under this floorboards i'm not saying you've ever buried a body underneath the floorboards and like you're visually remembering that but you know from movies what a heart sounds like or from games or whatever wherever you've heard a beating heart you know what that sounds like so mentally your brain's like creating this false sound of a beating heart you know what floorboards look like you might even your imagination might even pull it a step further and put in creaky floorboards or something like that so they look like you know rotted or something you know what i mean like your mind's allowed to go anywhere it wants and create this more omniscient feeling omniscient ominous yeah Yeah. omniscient is something different ominous is what you're looking for yeah ominous omniscient Uh, means that they're like all-knowing okay 
but on that, like even just you talking now about the the like the heart and the soul, but since I'm like a film guy, I I have a scene like imagined where it's like the main character, he it's like a, a shot of him from like a low angle from the floorboards, and then it's a, a reverse of the floorboards, and you faintly hear the heart beating, and you see the floorboards move a tiny bit, and they creak. And then it gets they, so the floorboards start to move more and more, and the heartbeat gets louder and louder, and he starts to sweat. So like, yeah, the imagination it definitely. But can. on that point, uh, horror filmmakers have used the idea of not showing the monster, you know, for better oh, horror yes. because your imagination can probably conjure up something that's way more horrific than whatever they can show you. That's like I call it the Jaws effect because that's really the first part where you see it. Because of technical difficulties, I couldn't show Jaws for like the first half of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's way scarier because all you see is this fin and you have to imagine what this giant shark looks like underneath so therefore your imagination made something that's probably scarier than that really poor looking robotic shark that you see in the second half and the whole I mean, opening it, shot is yeah. you don't even see the fin nope Just like the whole opening shot the, is you in the FOV yeah. of the shark and then all uh-huh. of a sudden her getting dragged around and killed so you even know what it is at that point I mean Obviously, you're going in, you saw the cover. You know the poster. You saw it's a shark, right? But, I mean, if someone just popped that into a a DVD player or a Blu-ray player at this point, uh, and you never knew what that, you never, you don't know what it is. You don't, like, they don't even tell you the name. And you've never seen clips of it. You're probably sitting there going, what is this? Is it a shark? I mean, your mind would probably go first to a shark, I'd assume. But you could also think, you know, I mean, I mean, there's, it could be anything. You could think it's a monster. Could be a giant squid. Yeah, it could be a giant squid. Uh, it could be, uh, any, I mean, it could be anything. It could be, yeah, <laughs> Kraken. It could be a giant, like, man-eating killer whale. Like, you, you don't know what it could be. I mean, it could be anything. It could be an abomination, for all you know. What did we watch? We watched um that movie. What was that movie? Uh, Leviathan? Yeah, let's say Leviathan. Which actually I did think was that bad. It kind of stood it's, on its own. I mean, it was like an alien. What do you ripoff, mean? Right? It's a hundred percent an alien yeah. ripoff. Almost but beat for beat. I thought it was like okay, you know, in terms of like what it was. Yeah, but it's funny because they don't actually show the Leviathan until the very end. Yeah, the, they don't. Doesn't the, the Leviathan look like shit? Oh, it looks doesn't awful. it? Yeah, it looks, <laughs> it looks so really bad. bad. I honestly imagined it looking completely different than what it did. You know what, what I mean? What is but that? I need to look up what it looks like again. I want to laugh at that. <laughs> Yeah, let me see if I can find it. Yeah, see if you can find it and show it. That's some funny stuff. But I'm glad they didn't show it until the very end because it would have made. Oh, it I mean, the it probably would have made it funnier. But uh... <laughs> is this? Oh, is yeah, that that's it? what it looks like. Yeah. Oh my god, I forgot that's what it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that thing. It's not oh, a yeah. bad like it doesn't like the construction. I mean, you have to bad. remember it this was eighty nine. So yeah, this looks like some. It looks like half of a monster sticking out of a water, like open like this? at a pool. I don't know. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Apparently, Kinda there's like a Godzilla talking ass. hand. Yeah, there is. I forgot this scene was in the movie. Like his is hand it? opens I don't up. Remember and, like, that. Oh jeez. That looks good. I don't remember that, that look but bad. it look, does look good. <clears throat> yeah, but Leviathan's something. Yeah, it was it was something. I didn't think it like, was bad. For me, honestly, I didn't think it was bad because it did. It wasn't it really. On, it wasn't bad. It just it was, played on the ocean idea again, right? And again, they never showed the Leviathan, so you had that Jaws effect, as you call it. Mm-hmm. So, like, I felt like it did decent. Uh, obviously, it was a total 
rip off. So yeah. if you really look at it, like side side by side, they're miners in the ocean instead of in space. One of them like ventures off into like a sunken ship, like into like alien. Like they bring back a parasite. One of them dies. Like <laughs> it was right after Alien too, by the way, because I was yeah, in '82 and Alien uh -huh. was '79. So like <laughs> they uh -huh. literally were like. Yo, Alien was super successful. Let's take Even Alien. Even the suits and make that they wear under the monster. water look like the the suits they wear in Alien. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's I funny. It had it had an okay like story too. I don't like. Didn't they? They found like a shipwreck, and then there was like some kind of tube. Whereas like, yeah. what, what happened? No, he, in Alien? Alien was alcohol. like alcohol. There was something. In oh alcohol. yeah, it was in the alcohol. Yeah. yeah, I forgot about that. Whereas like Alien wasn't like they went. They landed on a planet that they weren't supposed to land on, and then they left the mm -hmm. ship, and they basically came in through the ship or whatever, or one of the people. Somebody like, brought back a parasite, yeah, you know, killed everybody, and then the they the well, they, it's kind of similar to Alien, but they the the corporate people want them to all die, yeah. So they that the accident is never heard of again. In Alien, they want the alien to use the weapon, but it's still kind of close. They want the crew mates to die for the name of like the corporate, you know, greed type thing. It's very, it's, 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 it's a ripoff. <laughs> not badly done. Like, honestly, it's not the worst thing I've ever seen, not by any length, but it's uh, definitely an alien ripoff through and through. The <laughs> uh, Silent Hill movie. I've never seen it. Okay, well, I did. I gotta say the nurses, actually, if there's one thing recently that's kept me up, it was the nurses scene. Really? Uh, I can show that. Yeah, I don't know. It. It, it wouldn't keep me up now because I've, you know kind of when i feel like once you live through something yeah. like maybe once you'll have that like i don't know if that makes sense like once you'll have I that effect but then afterwards yeah. you like it just doesn't happen the second time mm -hmm. i think it was revelation wasn't it i don't know probably, how many of them have their oh no it's the first silent hill okay yeah i guess there's two movies i haven't seen revelation I only, saw, I only saw silent hill silent hill which came out in 2006. Um, I don't know. I just thought it was good. Go we'll watch it. The nurses on their own are creepy in my opinion. Even in the game. I mean, the game again is cheesy, but like, because it's like old graphics. I'm sure if I went back in time, like, it'd be different. Probably. The story's good, actually, though. I thought the movie was really good. I don't know. Uh, too much handheld for me. <laughs> you don't like the handheld? <laughs> no, I hate handheld. <laughs> Unless it's used for a very specific reason. Are they still handholding? That was on a tripod, wasn't it? Could be stabilized handheld. Yeah, they are. Gonna rig. So this isn't even like a jump scare again, which I think it's really cool. Like she comes around the corner, you definitely see them in frame, like, but they're not moving, and then they move. Yeah, I just this is fucking.
Sound design's good too. I was no, I was about to say it's not. Oh, you don't like it? There's way too many of them for it to be this quiet, I feel. They're like all wearing heels. When they were all walking, it should have been like a oh, symphony it have been of heels. Pretty loud, yeah. You think so? Yeah. I guess that's true. I was thinking more as like I guess the score with the metal. Yeah. Although then I guess you could advocate for the fact that maybe the score shouldn't be there if you wanted to have a symphony of heels. Does the light activate them? Is that the game yeah? Thing? So the idea about the nurses is like it, it actually is from the game too. If you don't have the light on, they won't attack you. Oh. Okay. I think if you bump into them, though, they do. Or they'll try and stab you or something. That's why she's kind of being careful. I don't know if she knows that yet. I just thought this was scary. That's basically it. Okay. Why she left it, but okay. <laughs> I think she left it to, as a distraction because I don't think she knew. Again, I don't. I think it's one of those moments where you, as a viewer, might know, but she doesn't know that basically. Not only does the light only activate them, but bumping into them does. So she actually hit one of them, and that's why they started going like that. One started going on a killing spree, basically. Oh. Um, so she was leaving the light because in her mind she was like, oh, maybe they can see me. And so I think she was leaving the light as a way to like distract them because they were definitely light driven. Right. Okay. I think that's why that's my philosophy on it. But it was less about honestly, again, going off of the audio stuff like that, that we just talked about as well throughout the clip. Like I agree with some of that. Uh, the reason why I think it scared me is just because of the character design. Honestly, I think it's a weird character like such a fucking creepy thing the way that they move and stuff they move so like broken i don't know i don't know how to explain yeah. every like move that they make is like a crack like it's like and it's like weird i don't know yeah there definitely should have been more audio though i agree i definitely agree with the the footsteps being lackluster i just, when i was saying sound design i was more actually talking about the score i guess with the i thought okay. it was kind of cool how they added in like Cause like the entire flooring is like this metal grate, so I thought it was cool how it was like ding, like every once in a while, like this metal grate. Yeah, they tried. <laughs> yeah, they, no, they definitely tried. I mean, again, I don't think this is like the best movie in the world, but I thought it was actually like good. Like I don't know why, I thought it was good. Maybe it was because like I was on a Silent Hill kick for a moment. <laughs> yeah. Because Pyramid Head came out and Dead by Daylight, I was like, I gotta see everything with Pyramid Head. <laughs> yeah. But okay. I thought it was like I think the story is interesting about Silent Hill. And I like, don't know uh, how good the movie is in correlation to the game. I assume it's close. Dare I say that? I hope they I don't, don't know like, if completely you would say go that. off on they, a tangent. They probably do. Yeah, I'm sure they I do. I wouldn't count on it being similar to the but game at all. Because I haven't played the game enough, I can't say anything about the story from the game, but from the movie, at least from the Silent Hill first one, not Revelation, but this one that we just showed the clip from. Um, the story in it, I thought, was decent it's like this whole idea that like it loses her daughter right and then she's trying to find her and it ends up turning out that like 
I don't even like remember. Yes, been so long since I saw it. But her daughter, like, I think it's her daughter ends up becoming, like, the person. There was a dot, like a female that was considered a witch and burned by like the church, basically, like burned alive. And mm. her daughter becomes this, and then she has to like basically make the choice at the end to like sacrifice her daughter, and then she in turn becomes the um the girl okay <laughs> are you laughing me uh yeah I'm, I, I lost myself <laughs> i have I to rewatch it to better describe it so we've also been talking about this for two and two hours and 30 minutes yes we have, we do have. <laughs> so i just want to talk about one more thing i sent you a link to a band camp uh link yes so this is the only piece of music that I feel like I could consider horror music. Is there what a certain is, one that I should listen to? Or no, I think it's just, you could just show the page. It's honestly it's six hours long. So um, it's basically the description of it is what it's like to have dementia, where over the course of this six-hour project, it is supposed to simulate what it it is like to suffer from dementia, hmm. which is absolutely horrifying like i looked into this project i haven't listened to it myself that is quite the feat i don't know if i'll ever listen to the whole thing but basically it starts out like i think if you even if you just look at the titles of um, just a each one memory yeah and then it, he has each at the bottom he has each section categorized into stages what of dementia the so like stage one a to b here we experience the oh, first yeah. signs of memory loss. The stage is most likely a beautiful daydream. And if you listen to it, it's like very old. It kind of like sounds like an old record, like very nice music. And then as it goes on, it just fades. Like, complete jumble of uh, like mess. I, I don't even know how to describe it. So if you like play part of that first song and then like go to one deeper. Yeah, so that's like a record, right? And then you said go to like something like at the end or something. Yeah, I get closer to the end and it is just horrifying. Like almost just what the hell? Yeah, like and if you listen to it over a long time, it slowly, slowly degrades to that. Whoa. And what I researched is that in dementia patients, like when people when they can't remember their favorite song, that's when they are completely gone. Like they have, they can't remember any sort of memory if they cannot remember their favorite song. Oh my god, this. Yeah, like it is so. It, that is, I'm scared to listen to it. It sounds awful. Like it really is is terrifying. That's crazy. Because that's a real tangible thing. That's a disease that mm -hmm. anybody can get, really. Like, so it, it it's, I think it's an amazing project that this guy did this. I think he worked like 10 years on making this. Really? Um. Yeah. That's incredible. And, man, it is like nothing else I've ever found. <laughs> I think that was eventful. Um, I will talk to you guys later. We'll be uh, Enigma doing Enigma things. We'll be live on Friday. Um, I don't really know what I'm going to be doing, to be honest. Uh, I haven't decided. We might go back to do Maternal. Um, or we might totally go on a whole new segue and do Alien Isolation after Tonight's stream. Because that game is something that I'm interested in. You don't have to apologize. You're good. Um, so I don't know what we'll be doing for that. But expect next week 
Tuesday, 6 till 9, another podcast. It should be great. Um, and uh, Corny obviously will be accompanying me for that as a co-host. He's going to be – he's permanent, by the way. In case I know one know that, he wasn't a special guest on the first one. He's permanent. <laughs> or I, I decided to keep him. <laughs> yes. So, anyways, uh, this is this is an ongoing thing, and I think it's been pretty good. So, I will see you guys all then. Otherwise, guys, I hope you guys have a great night, and uh, we'll see you guys in the next one. Peace out.